0: G'day Hey, mate What's going on? Oh, fair bit, actually Look at that old school black hop shirt you've got there It's cool, isn't it? This, I was looking for the red flannel and I realised it's actually being washed So I've got the... This was well before we could afford actual merch So this, so Eddie just went and bought a bunch of patches and we sewed them on flanos. Yeah So this is it, this um, is pretty rare
1: is that, your, is that your other flannel? So you've only got two
0: I've I do, yeah. I've got you in that? No, God no. Only the red one. Okay, good. Yeah. No, this is just, just a show. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's been happening, man? Oh, well, should we start with
1: you got a beer? Yeah, I do have a beer. What are you working I've with? A, I've got I've got something really special for a Ooh. number of reasons. So I've actually got another Helios beer this week. So oh, I've nice. got the Helios Cerberus, Cerberus, canned today, not released until the 21st, so next Thursday. And that's the Helios Brewdog collab. And it's kind of special because it's like, uh, it's one of my uh, TAFE students as he adds his, what, it's his first commercially released beer recipe. Oh, that's cool. And um, and, and I stopped by Helios after class today and he was all really stoked about it and so basically it's a it's a brute or it says it's dry red Ipa but it's basically a brute red Ipa and um he told me what hops were in it and now i've forgotten i saw a photo of it on the um on the internet uh last night it looked an amazing red and i'm just gonna drink it out of the can
0: oh hendo you got to stop doing this you got a beautiful red <laughs> Ipa you gotta at least see it cheers what do you got yes. I got a special beer as well. This one here is the Ooh. 2021 A Team beer. Um, oh my god, that beer is good. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't tried this yet. I'm talking about this one. The oh, that race. one. Okay, it's good. Fucking great. I mean, I wish I could see it in the glass there, but that's okay. You, you do yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this beer, we we have uh, our investors, which we call the Alpha Team or the A Team, and the Alpha Team yeah. is too long for the label. Yep. Um, and um, every year we get them in and we brew a beer with them. So last year we brewed a um, a team IPA of some sort. And this year, well, actually, last year we did all a hops. I think so. Amarillo, yeah. Azaka, all, all of those. And yeah, then cool. this year we did alpha hops. So we've got Amar- Amarillo, Laurel, Pacifica, Hallertau Blanc, and Azaka. So it spells what, out. Why are they alpha. all what? Oh, okay. A-L-P-H-A. Yes. All right. that right? Yes. And this, so what we do with this beer is only Alpha team members can order it or we'll can buy it from the right. tap rooms, but then yep. we'll put a keg on at each tap room that, that anyone else can try as well. So,
1: Well, that's me and a future visit to Black Ops 3.
0: Yeah, but there's only a 20-litre keg at each venue, so it's not going to last too long. It might be gone already. We, we only put it on today. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. They've done so well with this. I wish I could <laughs> see it. This, this is, but you know, we've got a YouTube now, right? Yeah. Are we on YouTube? We're on YouTube and we've got a subscriber. Cheers. What? Cheers, man. Do you want to know who our first subscriber is on YouTube? Yeah. It's who is that? R- Ryan Fullerton, who's oh. a brewer, who, who was at yeah. Bob's. I think he's somewhere else yes, now. Yes. But yeah, local Gold Coast or now Gold Coast Brewer. Yeah. Awesome. Cheers, Ryan, for being our first and only YouTube Thank subscriber. Thank
1: you. <laughs> I'm not even subscribed. <laughs> and again,
0: I wasn't even on the mail list last year. You week. didn't even. Yeah. Oh, i got a mailing list update as well. We've got 13 people. We've got some cool people on there too. We've got, um, well, I don't know if we're supposed to reveal who's on our email list, but we do have mm-hmm. Andrew from Ironbark Hill, Rusty oh, yeah, cool. from the Rusty and Flash show, Annalise from Matic, um, Simpo, first Black Ops investor. So we've got some, we haven't That's sent good. an email yet, but we've got some cool people on there. Oh, well, it's good. Welcome aboard. How do people um,
1: get onto the mail list if they want to get onto the mail list?
0: Well, they go to bossandthebrewer.com. Is it that easy? It's that easy. It's unbelievable. Oh, MailChimp makes go. it makes it very easy. Did you see, maybe not relevant to this podcast, but I'm going to Google this number. MailChimp sold recently. They're a fully bootstrapped company, which means they yeah. never got any outside funding. They, and they bought, sold to Intuit or something, they, didn't they? Yeah, they sold to Intuit a month ago for twelve billion dollars.
1: We're in the wrong business, mate.
0: Isn't that amazing? Mm. I had a friend who started a um email, a local email uh, software thing, like a competitor to Mailchimp. Way back when I was at QR, so it would have been fifteen years ago, mm. um, and it was such a small market back then. Like people would get actually buy software for their own servers to send their own emails. I used to do it with my web agency clients um, and it was before, it's kind of before software as a service. So like there wasn't that many people doing this. Um, but yeah, MailChimp just took over. But there was a, but there's so many companies that did it and did really well. I don't know how her company ended up going, but um, mm. just crazy, isn't it? I mean, imagine starting a company with no funding and selling it for $12 billion. I would, I would probably
1: take a holiday.
0: I would I would take a holiday and I would also just ignore any comments from people saying that I sold out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I you know, I'd probably, you know, just wipe it wipe a tear from my eye with a hundred dollar bill or something and say you haters gonna hate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think apparently that that founder was another one that was kind of like I'll never sell, but it's like you, you know, you never sell within 12 billion. So ah
1: 12 billion. Thanks. Thanks for coming.
0: Yeah. What's, what are you working on at the moment, Hendo? I always forget to ask you at the start of the show what you're actually doing. Oh,
1: lots of stuff at the moment. So um, um, Tate's keeping me pretty busy at the moment. So we've just had, um, so we, we, we have two um, classes run at the same time, a part-time and a full-time. And so this week uh, I met our new part-time um, cohort them nice. work for you.
0: Who are we working
1: with work for you? Um, is it Ella and yes? Um, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Oh, anyway, they're the new new students start this week. That was pretty good. It's like it's it's crazy, man. It's like it's part. It's only I'm only part time working for tape. It's not a full. It's well, not a full time gig for me. We've got a lot of people it.
0: like like Ella who are not. Not in like the, like in other parts of the business who want to be brewers. It's so and so many women have yeah. black like we've got a lot of women brewers at Black Ops and other yeah. people that work for us or, or kind of on the outskirts who want to get into it. It's just it's mental. It's mental how yeah. different it was to when we started.
1: I think it's good that there's there's now these new pathways for mm. for people to become brewers and get a formal education. or well, speaking of formal education, look at this.
0: Oh, I know what this is.
1: I got, I got my TAE, mate. Look at that. So
0: we're like, we're like, we're TAE buddies now. Yeah. You've got your TAE. I do, yeah. I, I Well, I used to work for the government, so it was very easy to get certified in things because they would just pay for everything. But mm-hmm. I imagine mm-hmm. you had to pay for some of that yourself, did you? Or did they help you uh,
1: out? Yeah, no, all of it.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's good, though. It's always uh, it was good lo- to
1: get a It was discussion. hard work. It was pretty hard work. So, um, yeah, it was like... Um, um, two weeks in a classroom yeah um just intensive just get it done and that sort of thing and then um, this massive assignment which they called a major portfolio so you had to put together like a unit of competency and that sort of thing yeah and then I had to then I had to go back again for two presentation days to give two lectures over two days and then watch other people give lectures
0: yeah wow interesting
1: I'm I'm glad to see the back of it mate
0: <laughs> yes, I mean it is pretty dry. Some of that stuff, isn't it? We, yeah. we, um, when we worked at QR, QR, we worked in training and development, and training and development was actually an RTO, just that division yeah. of QRs and RTO, so yeah. they could deliver things like cert fours and and um, yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, look, it's it's good to have not only because I'm working at TAFE and that sort
1: of thing, but um, but because it helps me in my business with Rockstar Brewer as well because I do a lot of coaching and training and all that sort of stuff. It helps me be better at that job. Yeah. and um uh and it was fascinating you know we've, we've got a really interesting um you know vocational educational training system here in australia and um you know it, it works pretty well and keeps getting better
0: yeah yeah it's interesting the cert four thing i don't really understand fully how it works but like i've, I've done a couple of cert fours in different things and they they definitely have very varying levels of complexity to them like the one i did I I did one in project management, which I'm pretty sure was only like a three or four day course, huh. and I did another one in multimedia, which was like a one year or more, like really intensive course. And at the end of it, I still just had a Cert Four. It was just in a different topic.
1: They they have like this thing called the AQF, which is the Australian Qualification Framework, and so there's different levels. So you have Certificate One, Certificate Two, Certificate Three, Cert Four, uh, and then it goes Diploma, Advanced bachelor. Diploma, and yeah yeah bachelor um uh, and then it's like um
0: postgraduate i think
1: it's honors master yeah graduate certificate masters doctorate or, you know phd and that sort of thing so but why is um, this?
0: why is there such a vast difference between a cert for in something like project management to something like multimedia it was like one was almost like a degree and one was like a weekend course
1: yeah that's an interesting one because there's supposed to be like um um, you know, with each course, there's supposed to be like a certain number of hours input into it and that sort mm. of thing, you know. So with the certificate, you know, in terms of like um, your c- c- class time and self-study and that sort of thing. So the, the Certificate 3 in in Food Processing Brewing is actually 600 hours total time.
0: Yeah, see, that's crazy. And that, And Certificate yeah. 3, you would think based on general logic, would be a level below a Certificate 4. But uh, it, it is, is, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um,
1: but but it's basically um, you know the certificate three in brewing teaches people to become brewery operators. Mm. Um, you know there is talk of um, you know a certificate four or a diploma in brewing uh, happening. Uh, that's going to be a couple of years away easily. Um, yeah. Where we train people to be head brewers. You know, yeah, um, that's cool. So that that's all in the future. Um, but you know, there's 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 moves and happening in the background and
0: I think it's really uh, cool I mean how far has it come since since when we started or when you started well
1: exactly how how did you become a brewer when you started Mm. out was like you know I was lucky I did the postgraduate degree at University of Ballarat or Federation University as it's called now um Lots of people have started just by volunteering, and I think that pathway of volunteering in a brewery is really over
0: now. Pretty tough because um, there's so there's so many safety concerns and so oh, there's so many people want like to work issue. for a brewery. Oh, it's it's, yeah. it's hard to just let people in to come you and work for you for free. You can't there has to be a there has
1: to be a contract like a work agreement that yeah. sort of thing, um, and you just can't have people go into a brewery and.
0: There, there is though. I, I will say. Um, and it sounds like we just found our first topic because this wasn't on the list, but thinking of it, we did just write an article this week on how to become a brewer and you're, you're the best, best guy to talk to about it. So I was, yeah, that can be our first topic. Um, Here we go. I was just going to say a lot of the guys in our company, like if you, if you're getting into a company that's growing like ours is a lot of the guys who or girls that want to get into production, we'll do like what Ella's doing and get into the business in a different area and just kind of, cause once, once you're working for a business, it's just the age old foot in the door thing, isn't it? But like once you're absolutely working in a business, people can see you're a great worker. They can see you're ambitious. You're friendly. You want to get into the brewing. It's such low risk for us to be like this person go and do this course, learn how to brew. You're perfect. As opposed to just advertising again and just, you know, who you're going to get from outside the organization. You have no idea. So there is still a pathway Ooh not maybe not volunteering but there's a pathway to get into an organization doing one thing and then end up doing another
1: yeah um yeah absolutely it's 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 like um you know like uh someone like uh ella can just continue to work in um you know her current role in the in the tap rooms and that sort of thing and um um you know as and when black hop sees fit she can move into production and that sort of thing there's no uh, no, 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 no pressure. You know that when when she does ultimately make the transition, that she's got a bit of floor time. You know, working in the yeah. brew lab brewery, um, she's got a good, you know, um, a good, um, you know, like um, level of consciousness around safety, which is super yes. important. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, generally, generally, graduates of the of the um, TAFE Queensland program, and indeed all the other TAFEs around Australia. Um, you know they can hit the ground running. They're still green. That's the that's the thing that you, you still got to you know any potential uh, brewer that's looking to hire um, a graduate of the program. You got to be mindful that they're still green.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean they're not potentially you're they not starting a, in
1: a brewery, right? You're not exactly, but you're not starting from zero. You know. Yeah. And um, um, so yeah, that's a but really that, good. But thing. that's
0: that's you know that you can't expect any more than that if you if you're hiring a student in any discipline. Especially a new one, based on having some education but not experience. You know, they are going to be green. That's
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely part
0: of the deal. And I
1: think the next thing for at least here in Queensland is is things like traineeships and apprenticeships and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, we've got a a, a survey uh, going out through uh, through the IBA in the next couple of weeks, which is about. Um, taking giving another pathway to get the certificate three and doing it on the job oh wow that's cool and and so basically where um you know myself and my teaching partner Kate can go into uh so go can go and assess people who are in that in their own workplace wow no
0: um, no kind of classroom based stuff oh, although it's still too?
1: there's still you still got to do the, the the knowledge part so you still okay. have to do like lectures and Exams and that sort of thing, but as far as your um, your skills, the skills part. So what you do with vocational education training, there's uh, you get skills and knowledge. So knowledge is basically doing an exam and being able to learn and know the theory, and then skills yeah. is actually being observed doing the job. So and how does that work currently?
0: And, um, if you don't have that,
1: we do have that, but we, we don't. We have that with the with the students who are in the the cert three now. But they're doing all of their skills in the brew lab. Brew oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they're getting all their observations done there. Yeah. But um, but there's another way in which people who are currently working in the industry can go and have all their observations done in their own workplace.
0: That's nice. Yeah. That's that's, that's good. pretty good. You know. So yeah.
1: all these things are coming online. I think it's really really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to what the future holds. I'm I'm enjoying the teaching. It's Pretty cruisy. We like we totally stuffed up a beer today, and don't. It's and it, and it's like
0: there's no stress. <laughs> yeah, you well, that's a, um, it's a a good lesson. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen we, in the real. We stuffed world, up. So. We
1: stuffed up a beer today, right? So you know, one of the things that, that I sort of you know drum into, and those that know me as a brewer, you know, know that that you know making a beer with a with a quality focus is about hitting the numbers and hitting the targets and that sort of thing and um and so we made uh, our froth rookies we have our brand called froth rookies brewing company we made our froth rookies lager i said this is the hardest beer to make um and we thought we hit the numbers on brew day which is amazing everyone's high-fiving after the brew day and all that sort of thing and then we went and checked like the alcohol today and the alcohol was way under and um and i was like oh what's going on here anyway so we we did a little bit of a root cause analysis thing and it turned out that our handheld density meter was misconfigured and yeah. was given gave us the wrong number on brew day and um, so the alcohol was a little bit under but meh how far but, are they? it oh uh, it come it come in at 4.2 it's supposed to be 4.8 a half percent so oh, okay it's out of spec out of spec so yeah. you know so we we kind of we can't we can't really we can't sell it uh, well, we can't sell it in a can, but it's still going to go into a can. But the students will probably buy it themselves and drink it themselves, and so yeah. we can't sell it to the public. Basically, so yeah. Oh, well, that's
0: um, disappointing, but probably a good lesson.
1: Oh, look, you know, it's but that's the that's the beauty of it, right? And that's why I really like brewing in the in the in the in the TAFE brewery. Um, is that you know, if you make mistakes, that's part of the learning experience. You know, mm. it's a le- it's a learning outcome. You don't learn from your successes; you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And um, and we just we today we just sort of talked out talked it out and 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 I said you know they they were really worried about it you know because they you know these guys they give a shit you know and mm. um and I said well okay well what we're going to do is we're just going to you know we 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 talked about what the possibilities were and so we had some hypotheses as to what could happen what what may have happened um, and we just dive through each of the things and we end up having a look at the the portable dips. the alkalizers had a gravity reading and then the the portable density meter didn't match up with it and i said well that's the issue because the that's the and so that's obviously been reading wrong there you go you know um, i wonder what so
0: what because we've had we've had this sort of thing as well um in small batches I wonder what like really small breweries that don't have some of this, like not every brewery would have an alcohol, uh, alcoholizer, right? Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's probably like, if it's, I mean, obviously if it's under, it's not good. You kind of, you know, you're kind of ripping people off, but if it's over, there's, there's bigger problems because you're giving people more alcohol than you're legally allowed to.
1: Well, no, you, you have to be on because you've got right. food standards.
0: Right. But if, that, if you can't yeah. measure it, if you like you, you've got yeah. the equipment to measure it pretty efficiently,
1: it's a real issue with alcohol because like um, there's you know that according to the ATO if you're a brewery that makes about, uh, more than 100,000 liters of beer per year you're not allowed to use the gravity shift formula so take the starting gravity and the finishing gravity mm. and then you can do a formula and work out the alcohol you're actually not allowed to do that they don't really enforce it yeah. Um, yeah but but you're not you're not you're technically not allowed to do that you actually have to measure alcohol directly either through you can do a distillation you can do and have an alkalizer and all sorts of stuff, but that equipment's either very time consuming to use or very expensive.
0: What's it? How much is an alkalizer worth?
1: Uh, cheap one, 30 grand. Yeah,
0: see, no, no brewery doing 50,000 liters or under or 100,000 liters or under. Nah, have one of those things. No, exactly. I don't think we Well, that's that.
1: the, that's the other thing that I've been working on
0: at the moment.
1: So, so, um, so you know, I, I, um, I want to make. Uh, you know, beer, beer analysis services more accessible to craft breweries and also help to make them compliant. So that's a new project that I'm working on at the moment, um, yeah. and um, that'll be sort of coming out pretty soon, I think. So
0: nice. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. I sh- should have said at the start we've we've got a guest lined up for this show. Oh, we, we? do. This, this yes. is this is your. Uh, once again, you're doing well. Actually, before that, what did you have any feedback from last week? I, I got a lot of messages from people saying they listened and they enjoyed it, which was nice. Yeah, same. I
1: got so many people just going, "Oh my god, I listened to the show. That was really good. That was really good. Mazen was awesome." I'm like, "Mazen was awesome." What the yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, how about the how about the the Facebook one where like they listened to the podcast with Hendo and Mazen, and it was great? I'm like, hey, <laughs> what
2: about me, Jesus? <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: So um oh look, you know, Maz maz is, uh Maz maz always is a bit of a draw card. But and 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 people really enjoyed the, the conversation as very insightful. Um, you know, um has a has a very strong um you know opinion and um states his case very you know very well and changes his opinion if the if the facts change,
0: you know, that's yeah, what which, I like about Maz, you know. I like that too. You you, you you do have to be like that. You can't be held to your past beliefs forever. You need to be able to change. No, that's right. Um, but um, I did, you know, on that episode, how I said he's the, the guy that rings you when you text him.
1: He yes, did. Right.
0: He, he did ring me the next day. Did he? Yes, he rang me too. So, dude, stop ringing! This is, this is too much. I, yeah. I ignored Well, oh, he's actually he
1: sent, he sent he sent me he sent me a message. He goes address question mark. Oh yes, and good, I, good. And I, was gonna and I went. It. I went. Okay. Um. I, I was like, oh my god, he's gonna send me some beer. And so I sent him my home address. Yeah. And I said, Are you going to send me some beer? He goes, No, I want your email address, fuckhead. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: <laughs> but he put that into ship station because he sent me some beer. So, <laughs> ah, good. Okay. Yes. I was going to say that because he sent me some beer as well. I got an update today saying it'll be a week or two, but it was that beer that he drank on the show. So I'm the, super keen the, to try. The Lucky 13. Mine
1: actually arrived at 4.30 this afternoon. So I would have drunk it.
0: I would be drinking it here, except it's still warm. It only just got in the fridge, so. Oh, you bastard! I didn't get mine.
2: Yeah.
0: That okay. would be good, that would be a good one to have on the show. But I also I'll give one to Eddie because he loves his lagers and pilsners, so. That'll be oh, nice. man. I haven't had a beer with Eddie in ages, man. Neither have I, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. He's he got married this week, so that's mm. that's news. Um, but yeah, we've actually this this last couple of weeks has been interesting. We've all had holidays, well, except for me, but. I, I, I may have one soon but everyone else has had holidays which is almost the first time in our history where you know we've sort of just said I'm having a week off like he's barely left black ops since we started Eddie struggles to take time off I don't think I've taken I think I've made, I took a week off once I think in yeah five years I don't know however long it's been are um, you
1: gonna have a holiday or
0: well, i don't know at some at some point at some you need point, to but take luck, that
1: you need to take that car
0: of yours for a very long drive yeah i could i could do something like that um but yeah ian ian was away for the indies for that week and then Govs was away for a week um eddie's away last week um so yeah it's it's actually your turn of, mate your turn of, yeah my turn soon um all right well let's i can see um so do you want to introduce the next guest cuz he's he's come yeah. He's ready to go on the zoom yeah awesome okay so um
1: this week, um, uh, we have a very special guest who reached out to me uh, this week. Uh, it was in relation to our very first episode when we were talking uh, about uh, Pactex and the environmental impact and that sort of thing. And um, and so our, our guest today um, is um, uh, Ev Craney, Evan Craney, from, uh, who's the National Sales Manager for Bright Brewery. Um, down in Victoria, and he reached out to me and said, hey, I listened to your first episode of your podcast. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of stuff with regards to Pactex and recyclability and that sort of thing. And we, ju- I just had a bit of a chat about it. And it turns out he's done quite a lot of work uh, with it. Um, okay. And so I sort of dropped you a message and said, we should get him on the show and chat about this because, you know, the recyclability of, of Pactex is you know, it's it's something that's on every brewer's mind when it comes to things like sustainability. And yeah. so we thought we'd get Evan on and
0: have a bit of a chat. And- awesome. And, and you forgot to tell me who he was or where he's from, but that's okay. We'll we, no, we no. get there, we there eventually.
1: Evan, Evan Croning, <laughs> right? Brewery, National Sales Manager.
0: <laughs> no, no, you told stuff- me now, but you didn't tell me at the time. I was like, you have to actually tell me who this person is, but that's fine. Oh, didn't <laughs> I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey,
3: Ev, how you going, man? G'day, fellas, how are we? Not bad, mate. Not bad. What's been happening? Oh, uh, living in Melbourne, a whole lot of bloody nothing, to be honest with you. Is that right? Yeah, it's been a bit like this in the past 18 months. I wish I was
1: uh, yeah. where you boys are. Well, um, it's um, it's definitely like um, it's okay here and, and I definitely <laughs> feel for you guys and, and um, uh, it's absolutely amazing.
0: Hey, Dan... Sorry, I'm I'm Instagramming this because I'm trying to do two things before, at once. I apologize. No, no, before we start, can
1: you hit the yeah. little button that lets me share screen? So if you just oh, go wow, to I've the got security that kind of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go hit the security button down the bottom, and you go allow participants to share screen because I wanted to show Ev this photo. I'm really proud of. It. It's it got Ev in it.
3: Oh no! <laughs> what, what okay. Are
1: we, are we going to get cancelled? No, no, no. You're not going to get cancelled. Okay. Let no. me just let me just show you this photo, mate. Ev, do you remember this this here? Let me just share my screen there. Can you see that there?
0: Oh, oh wow! Oh, that's old Hendo. Right. What? How old long ago was that? Um, I again.
1: believe that is, that is that was holy moly! Yeah, the twenty first of October, twenty fifteen. Wow, that was fifteen. I don't huh? remember that night. Um, well, neither do I. <laughs> that was. I think that was part of. Um, I think it was Sydney Craft Beer Week.
3: I think it might have been. And you're right. We were yeah. at
1: this is this is Isn't at the Union, a Union Hotel. Oh, Union Hotel in yeah. yeah, the Union Hotel in 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 Newtown. And do you know why this photo is? I find this photo so special. Why is that? Do you know? Do you know any of the other faces in that photo?
3: I uh, I recognise Bevan, formerly of yep. um, West City. That's right.
1: Yes. And do you yeah, know who the guy I'm... in the
3: packed shirt is? Oh, uh, you've really put me on the spot here. <laughs> I uh, I don't know the face, not the name. That's Kevin Hinkston.
1: So basically we've got Ev, Kev and Bev. (laughs) I was so stoked when I got that photo because I'm like, I was sitting there and I'm just drinking beers and I'm like, oh, there's Ev, oh, there's Kev, hey, there's Bev. Let's get them together and get a photo.
3: (laughs) So this night actually um, is one of, this leads into one of the hardest days of my life the following day because after about, I want to say 10 p.m. that night. I have no recollection of what happens. Um, but I do remember waking up at about 6 a.m. in phrase from exits Airbnb, ah. um, laying on the floor of the bathroom for my alarm going off because I'd been double booked and had to fly to Brisbane that morning to an event at Bruschi. Um oh. Never been more hungover in my life. Uh, barely made it uh, to the airport. Ended up getting delayed for six hours on my flight. Didn't sleep the whole time. Got to Brucey that night, turned to Matt and I said, I can't drink tonight. And he basically told me to go fuck myself.
0: Matt would <laughs> um, say that and you he would say that. that.
3: And he, he would give you a stout. <laughs> you pretty much. Yeah. 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 And then, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that night I finished about 4am um, and many things happened, which I'm not going to go into because this might not be a PG podcast, but I still don't think I need that in the world.
0: Wow, I, I feel like I want to know what happened, but also just a reminder that we we support the responsible service of alcohol. This, Correct. Th- Absolutely. This is um in the the early craft beer days when none of us knew how to handle our piss. Right.
3: One hundred percent. Yeah, Hendo was a little bit more seasoned than I was. Um, I looked,
0: oh man, I look at I'm looking at
1: all these old photos. Man, we all look so much younger and less wrinklier and all that sort of thing. And it's well uh, on,
0: on on that topic. I found out today. Like Eddie and Gubs didn't even tell me this, but Gubs randomly messaged another staff member and was like, "Oh, I've got some exciting news. Me and Eddie have been nominated for the Young Entrepreneurs Award." What? And I, I mean, where's the fucking gratitude? Because I <laughs> because now I'm over forty, I'm no oh, longer. You don't qualify. I don't anymore. qualify. Oh man! And I just thought that would that would come down with me, you know what I mean? Like, like we're, in, we're in this together. We're not included. We're not counted. That's fine. Like, we've won every other year. We've won our category.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But no, they're, they're going without me. Those bastards. Is
3: well, there a senior entrepreneurs? Uh, oh, dude,
0: don't do me like
3: you, that. Do you just move up to the next merchant or?
1: <laughs> no, 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 you got to... Exactly. That's what I was going to say. You've got to have a little bit tact.
0: It's the Masters series. No, the Masters is just every other entrepreneur. Like those guys, those ones are making real money. Like like the only one we have a chance of winning is the junior one.
2: Yeah,
0: It's not like sports. It's the opposite.
1: Ev, what are you drinking there,
0: mate?
3: Uh, I've got, where is it? The Grassy Knoll Midnight Unicorn Oat Cream Black IPA.
0: Wow.
3: Are you drinking that out of a glass? I am. I'm not Hendo. I'm not a heathen. I'm not gonna drink my Imperial <laughs> Stouts out of the can. Good. Good. Any good? Uh, it's actually really good. I uh, it was recommended to me. I can't say I've had a lot of grassy nile in Victoria. Um, but it's it's really nice. It's got um a very classic black IPA, it's not as creamy as you'd think for an oat cream, but I guess an oat cream black IPA almost doesn't really make sense anyway. So there's a lot going yeah. on
0: there. Oh. Yeah, no,
3: it's actually really good. Um But I'm breaking my rule. I try not to drink during the weekdays, but I uh, broke it for you boys. So. Oh, nice!
0: Thank you. Yeah, well, I was going to tell you normally on the show we have a beer, but um, you probably assumed that given that
3: I I did listen uh, to some previous episodes. (laughs) I was uh, one of the first twelve, I think, uh, listeners. So (laughs) very good. All right. Well, let's talk (laughs) about
1: tactics. Yeah. So I I guess you know what you 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 reached out to me a, a few days ago and 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 you'd listen to the first episode of boss and the brewer and talking about pack And I think if I remember correctly, I was sort of saying that there's, there's a sense of a guilt that that I have as a brewer um, using mm. pack because even though they're made from recyclable re- recycled material, they're not necessarily recycled after they're used. Yeah. And um, you know, lots of brewers have tried, different things to be able to recycle or reuse them. And then you reached out and said that um, that you'd been doing some work in that space to sort of, um, you know, complete um, complete the loop. Um, mm-hmm. What Tell us a bit about what you've been doing there, mate.
3: Yeah. So it's, um, I'll try and keep it a short story because it's, it, it's overly long and complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, start of the year, um, was asked a question uh, by a friend of mine. She sort of said... I, I think it was highlighted during the, the pandemic last year with the home deliveries. Everyone started, I guess, getting a lot more beer over their house and started seeing just a buildup of pack Um, And I was asked the question, you know, what can we do to recycle these? And it sort of dawned on me there wasn't really an answer. And I had the same problem as well. I had a mountain of them um, in my house. So went down the rabbit hole, I guess, to try and figure out well, what we could do um, as a brewery. So as Bright Brewery, who I work for, to see if there was something we could implement in. And we came up with the idea of, and it wasn't a new idea to be done, um, you know, anecdotally from breweries around the world and especially in Australia. It's, it's not something brand new, but basically what we did is we made an investment, um, quite expensive actually, surprisingly, just for bloody boxes, but to get about 50 custom uh, big, we call them dump bins, not a great name, um, mm-hmm. but uh, 50 of these boxes that we branded up and go through independent retail in Victoria. Um, and the whole concept was um, punters would go in, drop their used pack techs off, we would pick them up and then we would take them back to the brewery for recycling. So that was really the early days. We thought we'll just we'll create an avenue for uh, at least some place for them to go. And then what we started to find was that, you know, for every one we would use, we almost would have 20 extra. Um, and then you start building on some issues of, you know, the stickers on pack checks, which I'm pretty sure are put on with concrete because they're mm. just almost impossible to get off. Yeah. And yeah. you'll have the odd broken one, different sizes, different colors. Different colors. So, but did, did, you, did you specify
0: what goes into the box? Like, were they supposed no, to go your
3: brewery? or? No, we opened to everyone. So yeah. it was, um, yeah, it was fully fledged. You could drop whatever you like in. Um, what I didn't also count on was that Seltzer now uses them and they're completely different sizes to what we use. Um, um, oh, of yeah. course. So what we found was we just immediately they went out and they were getting full. It was, it was weekly pickups and it was just amazing how much were coming back. And then we were discussing as a team how we could best handle that and we realised that, you know, we, uh, the plan is still to reuse them but the man hours it was going to take was going to cost us more money than purchasing them but that was fine because that was part of it as a business we have a sustainability mindset but then we knew we were going to have just this absolute mountain that was just going to keep going and going and going um so we had to try and figure out a system i guess to close that loop and actually create a a proper recycling and once we started going down that path we found that there was nowhere in australia currently that can actually recycle um the pactex
0: so
3: are they supposed to be
0: are they supposed to be recyclable or
3: they are fully recyclable the biggest issue and this is something that i've learned um is that the black ones in particular are actually really hard so they're the colouring in the pack tech is carbon black, and it's so it's such a dense black that infrared machinery can't pick it up. So when they go into recycling machines, they get spit out. Right. And basically, local councils have figured this out as well. So they were saying you can't recycle these. So it just ended up people putting them into landfill into their normal bins. There's no way to do it. So they're um, made
0: from recycled plastic, but they're basically never being recycled themselves. Not unless they're basically they- used.
3: Yeah. Or and Australia in particular, that's, that's how it right. works. So in America, they have a system to sort of combat this, but uh, PacTech is obviously based in America. They use a secondary business here to sell it. So they actually sell it on to a wholesaler and then it sort of spreads out as you fellows would know. So they don't, they didn't have a system here to close the loop. Um, from there, what we've, what I've sort of done and what we've done as a brewery is we've reached out to PacTech and basically said, Hey, what can we do here? Um, I'll talk about PacTech and like, they're actually an amazing company to work for. Um, the system that we're putting in place genuinely hurts their profit line. It makes mm. no sense for them in terms of business strategy, but they yeah. have been completely on board in creating a sustainability system here in Australia. So that's that's good. Them- but I
0: think if they're if they're thinking long term, it probably does help their bottom line because you, there can't be a future. it can't be a very long future in just plastic that never gets mm. reused.
3: So this is the so basically what I, I think. Some of it, they didn't realise probably how bad it was over here. And it's a little bit of the growing market in Australia. They're getting used more. They're seeing all this volume coming out and not being boots on ground. I guess it does stop them from seeing that what's coming up. And I guess it hadn't really been addressed at a a large level. I think anecdotally, we all knew. I think every brewery knew, Mm. every retailer knew and consumers knew as well. But there wasn't, I guess, a a collective discussion around it. So through PacTech... Um, we've now started working with Vizi and we're in the process of, of sort of finalizing all this to create a closed loop system where Vizi actually have one piece of machinery, um, I believe in New South Wales, that they can manually recycle these, um, the checks with. Right. So um, basically what we're in the process now, and I've reached out to Hendo as well, and um, this is something that I've been working with the IBA around as well, is a Sort of national rollout scheme and that would be hopefully an opt-in for all breweries, um, which would basically be a, a cost neutral system. PacTech and Visi have basically offered to supply the bins at no cost, um, as much as needed. They'll handle the transportation to and from. And the idea is that say for yourself, for Black Ops, you guys will say, listen, we have this LGA, we have 30 stores, we think we can put them in. Can we get 30 delivered, we'll handle that region. That is our region to, to work on. Um, we will reuse what we can, but what we can't reuse, Visi will actually collect themselves, bring back. Right. How, um, how, and do then, you re-
0: how do you reuse them?
3: Well, it's manually sorting. So the ones you can reuse.
0: And But which ones can you reuse?
3: So for, for us, we can reuse anything that's not damaged. And thankfully, techs are pretty sturdy, as we sort of all know. Yeah. Um, so fours and six packs um, that aren't stickered tend to be the way to go. The stickers do create actually quite a lot of problems. But every every
0: independent bottle shop with a four pack on it would have a sticker on the pack tech, wouldn't they?
3: You'd be surprised. Um, mm. And I say that working from a brewery that only just started putting stickers on theirs too after yeah. about three. So what years do you do for
0: barcodes for, for Indians? Just like business uh, We just
3: we... we we just don't. We just uh, we do it the old school: scan one, press six, and. Uh, wow. now we now we have. Uh, yeah. I guess we've been fighting that for as long as we could, but we sort of mm. got to a point where yeah, we, we sort of knew we had to get there. Um, well, maybe a new maybe a new a new
0: um system for barcoding would, would like if if the if the independent bottle shops want to have a book of barcodes as opposed to a barcode on the pack tech, then smaller brewers, you know, could potentially not put Barcodes on four packs, but then the problem is the majors. You need it's barcodes very, on them. The, yeah, the and
3: it's very it's very slow at the checkout mm, too. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is one of those things. Again, we didn't consider this when we started. You know, this this was started as a really small thing that we thought would be a little thing that we could do, I guess, to help out and benefit. And it's just become this sort of juggernaut that keeps on rolling and rolling and rolling. Um, yeah. But basically, what we're just trying to do, I guess, is create a system that there can be a closed loop, there can be something to do with them. And um, the worst thing, you can just imagine how many of these are ending up in landfill. Um,
0: yeah. Because there like isn't any of them.
3: Yeah. Unless, you know, there's somewhat a reuse game. And I think you mentioned in the previous podcast that um, I think you guys took them back to the brewery. People could bring them back in. That yeah, but pretty- it's the same
0: as, your, same as your situation. It's 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 kind of like, the, you know, when a staff member's free, they can sit there and try and peel four packs off pack text But it's just, yeah. yeah, it's pretty hard to do at scale.
3: Yeah, yeah. And the big thing is, it's you know, this is still small business. Obviously, in craft beer, you're going to have scales of breweries from, you know, your really small leadership to your big literage so depending on how much you use. We wanted to, well, what I've really sort of been the mindset of is creating this cost-neutral system. So, you know, obviously, if you were to do it at the level that we're doing it now, it's a pretty ad hoc system. If we were just to use reuse everyone we were, the manpower and the labour alone would far outweigh the, the benefit of um the free reuse, I guess, of, of just collecting them. So we're trying to create a system here where the breweries can jump in, they can solve the problem. There's a way to recycle them at the end. So there is a proper way to say we know definitively, they can go here, they can get re- they can get recycled. We have a spot. If you want yeah, to reuse sorry, them, sorry, I you interrupted
0: can. your your process before. So you so the process was that the brewery, you take some of them and reuse them where you can. And then if you can't, yeah. I assume they go to this machine in Busy.
3: Exactly, yeah. So, Visi would themselves collect, bring it back, and then they would handle that. And there's also been talk around the possibility of being able to actually manufacture the bins that these would go in from the recycle pack techs as well. Um, so, there's a few things we're sort of working on. This oh. is the, we're coming to the end of a, probably about a 10, 11 month conversation around this. Um, yeah. So, we're just trying to get the specific specifics on it. But I guess for me, um, the big thing was about actually closing that loop because when we started, as I said, we thought it was going to be small. We thought, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll get a few and it'll be this, that'll be the other. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I'd have 50,000 in, in my storage unit waiting to go back to Bright next time I travel back up. I've probably got, I don't know, probably 10,000 in my car right now um, that I've picked up in the past two days. <laughs> That's a fucking <laughs> fire hazard, dude. Oh, man, it's insane. It's yeah, and like I got a box today that wasn't secure, and I turned a corner, and they just all went everywhere. And I thought, Oh my god, wow! I'll leave that till tomorrow. That can be a tomorrow problem. Oh man,
1: um, what do what's so what? What has Visi done? If the if the color of the black pack techs is the issue when it comes to recyclability,
3: what have Visi done to overcome that? I don't think anything. And I think this is one of the problems that we found really from this was um, reaching out to Pack Tech was a bit of a it's a bit of a Hail Mary pass. I sort of got to a point where I didn't know what more I could do on the program. So I thought, I'm just going to find a couple of emails. I'm going to shoot some generic uh, emails out and see if someone replies. Luckily, straight away, you know, within a, probably an hour or two, I got an email back from the head of sustainability and the head of marketing. Um, and they have been fantastic since day one. They didn't realize that there wasn't a proper level. Of recycling, I think they were under the impression there was a system in place. I don't know if they looked into how could it they fully. Not,
0: that's how could they not realize that? That's
3: I know. Which just they focused the big... on the on the US, mate. Yeah, and the, and in fairness yeah. to them, they have a US program in place, so they actually have a fully. I don't think I don't think every state, but I know it's a working initiative. But it's going through the majority of the states, and they've just moved into Canada, I believe, as well, which is basically this system run by them over there. I think not having a base in Australia to see the issue and, and mm. be running it. Um, themselves has so what really, do they do in America? They they
0: have their own machines and things, do they?
3: They do, yeah. And then they have their own program where I think their own staff members um, manage logistical networks of collection and things like that. And then in states where they don't have that presence, they've done a partnership program with other breweries, where basically breweries become collection spots. So, say mm. for example, Black Ops would be a collection spot for Brisbane, um, and you know all the smaller breweries that might not have the space, could come and they could drop them off at you and you would be that depot. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah.
0: That's
3: yeah. So they, they, that's the angle that they've sort of worked on there. And, um, you know, it's something we've discussed possibly bringing out over here as well. Yeah, we can We can. It's just a chain. Sure.
0: That sounds like a cool idea. So, like the, so, The, big, the in, bigger, bigger brewers kind of being the central location for the smaller ones. Yeah. Sense. So in the
1: US, right, PacTech would be running this uh, closed loop system um, bringing pack techs back in i suppose they get broken down or melted down and reformed again to make new pack techs and that sort of thing yeah what what do you do you know what um the like what visia turning you know those recycled packtix into
3: so currently they're not recycling any of them so the plan i guess we're now at that stage of once the machinery is up and running. We actually haven't had a batch yet because we haven't hit their minimum quantity yeah. numbers. But they're still collecting just... them and storing them, is that right? So, so currently I'm collecting and storing them. Um, <laughs> uh, and this is part of, I guess, the national rollout plan is once we sort of get to a level, it has to make like, economic sense, I guess, for them to use this machinery. I think it's a very special piece of equipment that they don't run uh, as standard. So uh, there's yeah. a minimum quantity amount that it sort of gets it there. In mm-hmm. saying that, they've been pretty um verbally so far we're, we're trying to get this written because i understand how these things work uh get them to basically pick up and store until they get to that point so they'll handle the storage of them until they have to use the machinery the next question i guess is what they do afterwards so i think that'll i still haven't got a firm question a firm answer on that that's more about you know we've discussed the bins possibly being created from there um Currently, they're not manufactured in Australia. I do believe it's probably something Vizzy's looking at anyway. So whether mm-hmm. or not that's, that sort of helps, I guess, their ability to go and say, hey, we can, we should be sort of manufacturing these now if we're closing the loop. Um, I definitely think it's a cost-benefit analysis for them to take on this program. Um, but, yeah, currently there's no, there's no end loop for them. There's no recycling place for them. Um, in fairness to even PacTech, Initially, we weren't even sure we could do this through Vizy. Vizy weren't even sure they would have the equipment for it. And there was discussion around, you know, worst case scenario, do we just fill containers and send them back to the US? But then there's carbon footprint I mean, on that. and you know, know. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, you're stealing from one to pay the other. And it, it's been a very complicated system, unfortunately. Um, but I feel like, we, you know, over time, we've started to develop the inroads for this. And, um, you know, the reason I, I've reached out to you, Hendo, is... The more light we bring to it, I guess, the more light we can shed on it, the more people can hear mm-hmm. about this because it's still very much a small Victorian-based program that Bright Brewery is running. Um, the more people understand it, the more people are behind it, the more, I guess, oomph we have to sort of go out and say, let's fix this problem. I think yeah. it's a,
0: a great idea because um, I think we're all kind of sitting around knowing that like, everyone's kind of uncomfortable with the idea that we're putting this massive plastic thing on every single four-pack and forgetting about it. Mm. Um, and we're and we're kind of looking at all the alternatives that come through, and like we, I've done the same thing. I, I remember I, I emailed a James from Stone, Stone and Wood, who's the sustainability guy, it was must have been three or four mm. years ago, and I was kind of like, like, what what's the best option around this stuff and why? And he helped a little bit, but at the end of the day, for us, like text was just the only real solution. Yeah, like like. Well, we shout had,
3: out to shout out to James, who's actually um, who helped out with this program. Uh, as well, so uh, when I went to IBA and sort of said, "Hey, this is what we're doing. You know, we want to push this out nationally as a as a business. We don't really have the capacity to do that in the format that we are." Yeah, IBA yeah. is obviously set up for programs like this. James put his hand up straight away um, and was the first one that really sort of came out and said, "Well, if we're going to do this, the loop has to be closed. We're not going to greenwash this system." Um, and has been a huge advocate and a huge help in in actually doing that. But again, it's a question I think he's been asked so many times and didn't have the answer to. Uh, and it's not an easy answer. It's, it's no. shockingly difficult, um, which surprised me. I probably came in thinking this is going to be a really simple problem to solve and then completely sort of turning around my uh, my mindset of sustainability and recycling in this country. It was quite shocking, to be honest with you.
0: Well, that's that's very cool. It's cool that Stone and Wood do walk the talk with some of this stuff. I mean, the fact that they even have a sustainability person is pretty cool, mm. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the thing I was going to say is it's nice to know that, like, because obviously people are working on alternatives to Pac-Tech, um, but it's good to know you, there's also people working on the possibility that the tech could be a better solution. Like, at the moment, practically it's the best, but environmentally mm. it's not.
2: Yeah.
1: What? So, so, Ev, tell us what the... Um, what the iba's involvement is and 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 what what they're doing to sort of promote this cause and and get this
3: loop closed so um in terms of the iba obviously as i said i reached out to them to i guess create uh i'll get the opportunity to create a bigger network around it so as i mentioned james has been uh, amazing from the get-go and as someone who has a focus on sustainability, he asked me questions that at the time I still couldn't answer, um, which was great because it challenged me in a way to sort of go out and find these. And and he provided me the resource, the ability to do so. IBA currently have partnered up with Dan Murphy's. So Dan Murphy's uh, have rolled out a similar program uh, through sort of key stores around the East coast. I know it's Victoria, New South Wales, I believe it's Queensland as well. Um, And that's a bit of a pilot program uh, for them with this and that's in partnership with IBA. So um, through my conversation with the IBA with this, I was able to sort of go back and converse the Endeavour group um, and, just, I guess, sort of work in this weird us and them and PacTech and Visi. There's a lot of players in it at one stage to try and figure that out. So IBA is currently supporting the Endeavour program. Um, obviously, that network of... Dan Murphy's and BWS stores is just so huge that it's going to hit the biggest chunk out of the market initially. Mm. Um, And whilst that program's up and running, we're sort of back, we're backgrounding it to see how that works so we can make sure we can roll it out to an independent level across other breweries. Because I guess once we move from just one singular business handling it and then the possibility of how many, there's hundreds of breweries in the country, say we get, you know, 25% uptick and we've got over 100 breweries handling it, it does become a bit of a logistical nightmare if it's not set correctly so that's the process we're in now is actually making sure it's all lined up so we can plug it in obviously things will happen but we'll have the ability to understand the program and find the holes and the flaws and fix them beforehand or a lot faster on the fly I guess once it does roll out mm. sounds like if
1: you're working with Dan's and BWS and sustainability that sounds like a derby and mortar thing it is yeah hmm he's he's very very good at the sustainability thing he's just a massive advocate of it you know if you see the stuff that he's doing on the posts about on linkedin and that sort of thing yeah it's amazing he's very passionate about it eh? you
3: know yeah and he's he's been the main person that i've spoken with in that group about this so it's quite funny we um when we were launching the program they basically i actually sort of reached out to them and he got back to me he said oh We're actually launching this program, but in a few months, obviously, it's a little bit easier for a small brewery to just sort of say, let's buy some boxes and put them in independent retail versus Endeavour Group sort of doing anything. Um, And that's been really great because he and I have been able to have those conversations back and forth over months to sort of say, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think of this? You know, this is the system. This is the problems we're having. Oh, this is the problems we're having and sort of work on it together. So I feel, you know, they've got a system in place now, um, which is a good trial run. I think we just the whole purpose for me and uh, I guess the independent side of it is that making sure that closed loop, that's been the real purpose for the past three months is making sure at the end of it, we can sort of turn around and say, we've done everything we can to close this. Um, We're not sort of taking it from one place, moving it to another and saying, Hey, look how good we were. Um, You know, very conscious, especially after speaking to James from Stone and Wood about greenwashing. So we want to make sure that we're doing this the appropriate way and we're actually finishing it. It's, um, yeah, it's been a long road. It's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, because the last thing you want as well is for, um, you know, things like pack text to all of a sudden wind up in some state's container deposit scheme. Mm, that would be,
3: yeah, that would be a terrible outcome. I think anything you know? in a. It, I think every state's container deposit scheme is pretty terrible at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let, let's talk about getting a national rollout of that happening first, rather than yeah. these uh, state yeah. by state
1: decisions. Mm, indeed, indeed, that's fascinating. So, so basically, um, so so you know, to, to summarize, you basically you, you you're trying to close that loop. It's almost closed. Busy, yeah. sort of, you know, bringing up the slack. There should be able to have some capability in the future to be able to close the loop and recycle text for real, yeah. And in the meantime, you're collecting them mostly at your house. Don't don't smoke don't smoke at Evan's house.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't go to the van.
1: <laughs> and um, uh, and and then hopefully we'll have some sort of uh, sense of sustainability with regards to to Packtex because, like, the thing is with Packtex, man, they're bloody good at what they do.
3: Mm. Yeah.
2: Right?
3: They're yeah, really, and really and, good at what they do. And and from a production standpoint, it's. It is the most practical. I mean, sure, we'd like to look at alternative options, but, you know, these are small... We're we're a small business. Everyone's a small business, really, in this industry. Um, The automation it takes for certain packaging lines to bring in maybe something else to use, it's just not feasible. Um, Mm. And then I know you guys discussed some of the other options out there and I believe it was Grifter that's got their own one. thats Mm. that's The cardboard one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see that. I mean, I, in the past, had used... The E6PRs, which are those um, supposedly sustainable, compostable ones. Oh, yeah, that was the shit. Or that, yeah, I mean, like, as you said, you pull one can out and snaps. So it's a one use as well. Um, And to go back to barcodes, I mean, you couldn't put a barcode on. (laughs) And and no no
0: branding's fine. But I think if if someone can, like what Grifter's doing, I mean, I haven't used one and I'm keen to use one. And I mean, not keen enough to, have done it yet but i am because <laughs> i probably should have done it already but i like the fact that you can brand them because that's that's a little nice little bonus and if they work effectively that's good but it, it i think it's, it's asking too much for companies to change their their kind of canning line mm. and introduce something that doesn't work very well like that's that's too much but if if we can either solve it through reusing Pactex or we can solve it through another method then, you know, I think that's how innovation happens.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's ended up happening here is that we're all using them because we know it's the best out there. Yeah. It's the most logical. We can trust it. Uh, I mean, I I know from our brewery, every time we've used any different sort of packaging material, it has to go through the swing test, you know, put it put a six pack in and swing it up and down swing. a couple of times yeah. see if one see if one falls out. Uh, because, you know, you have to be smart like that. You have to understand it. Um, and PacTech's definitely passed that test and... From a quality perspective, they're great. I, I, I think this I'd is thought, us.
0: Um, sorry, sorry, I just had a random thought um, the other day that, like, the, the pack tech. At least for me, other people's use case might be different. From my point of view, like, I'll get a four pack from work, and I'll take it home, and I'll put it in the fridge, and then I'll just put the pack tech under the sink, and then you just start kind of compiling pack techs. Like, really, all it is doing is getting the beer from the brewery. Or the bottle shop, or whatever, to your fridge. but oh, like yeah. It's really just transporting the beer. Um, yeah. And there's there's other like there's other ways of buying products. Like if you buy a, a 18 pack of Coke or whatever, mm. it just comes in a big box, you know. With no there's yeah. no pack tax in there. It just comes in a big box, and they figured out a way to get the can out of the box without requiring pack Tech. So I wonder if there's, there might be a potential future where some breweries look at that kind of solution. Ooh.
3: That's West Rock, actually, man. Yeah, we've actually got 10 packed product, um, which are those like that Coke or Jack Daniels style sort of yeah. like mm. pre-mix. Westrock's different though, um, Hendo, because
0: you you still you're still like if you're if you're like what's that's what sign and water using, but with the, the fully wrapped four packs, right? Yeah. And so you yeah. have to get you have to get the packaging from Westrock, you have to get the machine from mm. West Rock, and it's still just a four-pack. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's a, a solution, but it comes with problems. But yeah, like is it not just a problem that we're like it's part of the problem that we're all buying singles and four packs mm. instead of instead of a, a a box that's a more reasonable size that, that, that is consumed quick enough to not need the extra transportation of the of the plastic.
1: Yeah, exactly. But a box is much a cardboard box is much more recyclable.
0: Exactly. Because we're yeah.
1: at the infrastructure mm. for it and that sort of thing. Hey, who made that uh, that boxing, the carton outer machine at yours? What was that? What was that company?
0: At Black Ops or who are you talking
1: yeah, about?
0: Yeah, yours. <laughs> <laughs> who made what? Made, oh, the the, uh, the case packer?
1: The Fibre King. The Fibre king. king.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Maybe they could do something. I don't know. Make a machine that makes four-pack boxes or six-pack boxes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, we're, machine. Actually, that we're, making, a, just we're a... making a machine to do the pack text because we couldn't get one in the size that suits our new canning line. We had to mm-hmm. get either a gigantic one or a slower one or split the line. And so we're actually building our own. Which is it a pretty tricky thing to sign off on because you kind of know that it's a risky thing to build your own equipment to start with, but then secondly, mm. you're investing in a technology that you're kind of hoping is going to be around in a few years, mm. ag- going against the trend of single-use plastic.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly.
0: But it's yeah, building lot. but building something like that Westrock machine, I think that's a, that's a whole new level of complication.
2: Mm.
1: And plus, they're, not, they're plus they're not that good they're,
0: because they're, because you know they're not going to pass a swing test, are they?
3: Take one beer out of
0: it, and it's gone.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is um, there is an a, a very easy solution to the problem, which unfortunately I just don't think is capable. Is um, it's only really the issue is with the black techs so, yeah, I feel extra guilty now that you tell me. That. I, I didn't. I obviously I didn't know this, and it's you know we all use black because let's face it, for packaging it's the sleekest and it probably looks the best. And well, um, I have a company called Black Hops. I mean,
0: it's, it's going to exactly. be difficult to use a white pack deck.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> what you'll notice is if um, and next time you're at a bottle shop, if they've got the grey like weird sort of grey silver pack decks on beers, uh, you see them occasionally. Sort of grab them and you'll notice they're never the two same colour really because they're actually a blend of all the colours put together. Wow. So anything but oh. black can go in and they blend them, they shave them down and then they blend them back and then they repress them into grey ones. So the blues, oranges, whites, reds all sort of go together and they make that grey sort of silver colour. Um, So that's not the issue. That's Those ones are actually in theory recyclable. I don't have any definitive proof that the, there's still machinery or available currently in the system in Australia anyway, to do that. But I, that's what they basically said is the big issue is the carbon black just makes it impossible for the machines to read them. So, you know, if they took carbon black off the market, mm. maybe that makes a lot of sense um, and we can start using those ones, but then the problem becomes everybody wants black and then someone else will just make a black one. So I guess, you know, well, no, one got
0: no one else has got a, a pack tech competitor really do they like a, no. a legitimate one no so they've got must no. have some patents around that or something but just, i think just, if they can recycle the gray ones and just say we're no longer doing black i mean everyone would just yeah, not use black that's fine
1: change, change the company name to gray hops mate
0: well the pack techs not a big part of the brand like if you look at the top of a beer it's it's you know it's generally silver either way so it's mm. yeah it's fine do you know what i feel
1: like i feel like drinking that lucky 13
0: Oh, I'd be cold by now, mate. Well,
1: I've got a glass even for you. I would like to see <laughs> so you above. guys. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to go and get this lucky thirteen because I think I think we kind of owe it to Maz to at least try this beer on the on the show, or at least one of us because you haven't got yours yet. But I don't um, have. Mine. I'll,
3: I'll Did he right send back. these to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. He sent them. Yeah, sent them next day. So I haven't tried mm-hmm. it yet. So
0: I'm going to get it. I'm going to try it live. So talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. <laughs> well, I, I think it's a good idea as long as he likes the beer or. He's a really good actor. Yeah, well, that's the
3: you're doing a visual podcast, so yes. we can have, you to have some problems here.
0: We're going to have some some massive problems if if he doesn't like the beer. But I mean, it sounds like a great beer.
3: I mean, knowing Maz, though, you know, he won't voice his opinion if he feels he's been disrespected. So, right.
0: no,
3: not at all. <laughs> oh, I thought that was well, really I nice. He like sent me the same
0: thing. He sent me my an email saying. He sent, me an email, he sent me a message saying, what's your email address? And I said, it's the same fucking email address I sent you an invite <laughs> to the show on 30 minutes ago. It hasn't changed in the last 30 minutes, but that, but this is why. So I thought that was really nice. It's actually nice and cold now. There you go. Lucky 13.
1: Nice. you got
3: to compare That's it to Raton, though.
1: I've had a few of those. Um, I spent a bit of time with uh, with Benny Taylor, who's the local Hop Nation rep, and we had our grand final... Uh, party, and he brought a keg of Ratten Hood.
0: Oh, nice. And I got totally
1: Ratten Hood.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. How is Ben going? I haven't seen him for a long time. Oh, he's crushing it, mate. He's having a ball. Sorry, nice. pardon my dirty glass there, but that tender. Oh, looks- is- Come on. Dude, because this mate, is the first time be- he's used a glass in the last six months. <sighs> that wouldn't pass <have> <laughs> the test on the old beer thread.
1: No. All right. Well, let's have, let's look. No, nah, fuck no. That's, okay. <laughs> let's have a look. Mm
0: quite dark, isn't it? It might be just your your basement. Your red my, basement that's, you my,
1: that's my room.
0: Yeah. It's pretty fucking good. <laughs> pretty okay. good. Is it good or is he just a good actor? It's pretty convincing.
3: Um, I, yeah. I mean, the fear of Maz is real in most people. So yes. I don't
1: fear Maz. <laughs> Maz, will, Maz will just pick up the phone after he listens to the podcast and just tell me to fuck off, you know? He'll <laughs> he probably is. do that either way. Yeah, it's okay. Standard. So my thoughts on this beer. are uh, very, very hoppy, like um uh just like Rattenhood. I don't want to make a comparison to Rattenhood because this beer sort of stands in its own right and that sort of thing. Beautifully hoppy. Um, real firm bitterness to it. Nice, uh, very subtle malt sweetness, and um just a little bit of yeast ester to it. It's really well balanced, really well rounded. Um I hope that this becomes a thing. Oh, I was it's just thinking <laughs> the same thing. I hope Pilsner just becomes a thing in Australia and all of a sudden Australia just goes
0: light bulb, bing, and, and we all start drinking Pilsner. I was so, so excited by how detailed this review was, Hendo, and I'm, I got excited like about the
1: beer. I know. Well, that's just what I do. That's, that's like I'm practically at work at the moment, you know? So, it's like,
0: <laughs> Have you have you seen, you know, Dave Portnoy, the, the guy who runs Barstool Sports? Yeah. Have you seen his pizza reviews? (laughs) Yeah. He does does the pizza reviews and he does like, he just goes to a random pizza restaurant. It's like one bite, everyone knows the rules. Then he has 50 bites of this pizza and then just does a review of it, like public and people yell at him and shit. It's great. But every time me and my kids eat dinner, we'll do a review and we'll do like one bite, everyone knows the rules and then we'll do like our own little review. So we could, on this show, we could do one sip, everyone knows the rules, steal his thing, and we could just review the beer like you just did, because normally I'm just like, I'm having this beer, but like you just did, you actually did a proper review.
1: Yeah. And it was a 30-second review as well. It didn't take that long. I didn't want to bang on about it and just tell you if I like it or not. I like this beer. I think it's pretty good. I All think right. it was me mate Alex who put this one together, I think, Alex. and um, Yeah. Good. I, think the, uh,
3: I think the Crispy Boys are coming into fashion now. I, it's a lot more... A more Pilsner and Lager love happening, I feel, than ever before. So, is it crispy love, boys? I is that making? a thing? Is
0: that's that's yeah,
3: it's a crispy boy. You yeah, got mate. the hazy boys, you got the crispy boys, oh, crispy okay. boys. Because yep. every Lager's yeah. crisp, is that
0: why?
1: I yes. think,
3: in theory, yeah, <laughs> right. Yes,
1: I love making them. You know, they're just such a challenge to make, and I'd love to make a beer that good. You know, Um, it's um, there's just nowhere to bloody hide in it. You know, and mm. and, and that, that's the challenge with it. You know, it's um. Uh, not that it's easy to make a good, you know, IPA or anything like that, but but just there's that that extra little degree of difficulty if you want to make a good good lager,
0: you know. That was your, but that was the beer we talked about at the start of this episode, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Hendo, the, the uh, froth, froth, lager, wasn't it? Froth lager. yeah, yeah, we yeah, messed up the alcohol. Yeah, there you go. Point proven. <laughs> learning, <Not> outcome, <laughs> learning outcome. Learning
1: <laughs> outcome.
3: I'm asking for more balsamic porter, Hendo. I think that's um, acid freaks. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah,
1: that's, that's a throwback, but
3: I want more of that.
1: I know it was so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I've got a couple of couple of bottles um, uh in the um, uh, in my cupboard here,
3: uh. But yeah, yeah. it was so good. Has yeah. anyone else dared to try a balsamic vinegar beer in this country yet? I uh... um. You might stand <laughs> unopposed.
1: <laughs> um. Not I on d- purpose. I, I, um, uh, your mates did a salt and vinegar chip beer. Called that's Sammy. right. Nice. Um, and um, uh, yeah, that was that's um that, that's that's the, they're the only sort of. I there might be a few imports. I'm pretty sure of like someone like McKellar or mm. or something like that would have done something with vinegar, you know. But um, two is probably enough, though, isn't it? To be honest. <laughs> Two is truly really
3: enough. I'm looking forward to the ARBAs uh, having a balsamic vinegar just category at one category. point. I think yeah. that's, yeah. Bring it.
1: Bring it. Just, I'll pick up the phone to my brother and we'll crush it. <laughs> <laughs> the balsamic, balsamic Baltic Porter class.
0: All right. Well, we, let's move on. We've got, so, what are, yeah, we've been going for a while. We, these, these things are getting out of control, Hendo. We, we're like, we'll do a 30-minute podcast and all of a sudden every episode is two hours.
2: Yeah.
1: But that's fine. Um man, I gotta tell you, this old this folder where I found that photo of Ev Kevin Bev. What
0: else you got? Oh no. got some,
1: this has got some phenomenal photos in there. There's a, go I've on. got i I'm looking at a photo of Nat Reeves from Kaiju just pour, pouring cans of VB. <laughs> I don't
0: know what the fuck's going on there. Well, you still still got sharing privileges here, Hendo. So do I? Yeah, I think so. I lost the the photo to go. Anyway, uh, continue. What was the next topic? All right. Yes. Well, we've we've got other topics, but um, we could just do could do fan questions if you want, or we could just yeah, dig do into another topic. Questions. Okay. You want to stick around it for some fan questions?
3: Uh, it's up to you, fellas. I'm I'm not doing anything. So
0: yeah, let's do it. That's it. So um, now, question number one comes from Darren Hill, who I okay. introduced on our last episode. Is the man of many questions. Um. The question is, what keeps you up at night, your biggest stresses? And and other than your house burning down, which we've already discuss, discussed, Ev, do you want to go first?
3: I'm hoping this is from a craft beer perspective and not just a really... Um, no, just generally. Just just what a general understanding of my psyche. Um, <laughs> God. No, uh, you,
0: work, you work in the industry, like this, what are the things that you think about at night,
3: you worry about? I think it's a cool question. Yeah, I think it's um, it's much deeper than I was expecting from fan questions. There you go. There are hard questions. To be honest that's with you, what we do. That's yeah, it's the hard, any questions. Um, I guess for me, I'm working for a brewery now and a um, one that I care about in great stead. Like I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for the brand and I really don't see myself going anywhere but bright. So, you know, I've invested a lot of myself in this brand and we've worked really hard over the past couple of years in terms of sort of reinventing ourselves for a new market and changing who we are. So, you know, what keeps me up at night is uh, I guess I want to keep the momentum train going for us. Um, It's about staying on that trend. It's about not faulting on our promises as well. I feel like, you know, we've made some really great as a business. um, But, you know, you're always worried that something is going to fall apart. Um, We're coming through a pandemic now and it's kind of happened. So I do feel a lot more confident in, I guess, the business model than ever before. I feel confident in our our brand. But, um, yeah, I think it's just the general the general thing of something going wrong in the brewery that will change the brand's trajectory. Um, which I don't know what that would be, but you know, we actually, we had a a brand recall this year, um, which I guess is one of the biggest fears. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think what we did is, uh, we steered into the skid. That was our whole plan. So we had a a pineapple milkshake, nitro ale, uh, that basically after two days became a grenade. Mm -hmm. Um, which is real fun to sort of peg from a distance and sort of see what would happen because they just exploded it oh, a pretty alarming right. I didn't
0: think to do that with us.
3: Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, we sort of came out of it, I think, even better than we went in uh, because, you know, outside of, of uh, you know, a few minor issues that we had, you know, a can exploding on a retailer's computer and destroying the hard drive, um, uh, sort of being what? That. And <laughs> yeah. Let's get into cloud um,
0: computing, guys. What is wrong with you? You don't need a hard, well, a hard drive
3: uh and then uh we did have a bloke who left his in the backseat of his car for three days in brisbane um oh. and then complained it exploded and we sort of said oh that one might be on you mate yeah. um do better yeah but i think that's yeah that's probably my fear we've already sort of seen our fears and we've sort of come through in the past 18 months to be honest with you yeah. what what sort of size is bright so uh our leaderage capacity so we've upgraded so we're, it's a bit of a weird one um we initially were pretty small. Uh, we are basically just a brew pub sort of servicing mm. the venue. A couple of years ago, we built a production brewery uh, still in the town of Bright, but sort of away from the venue um, so we could move to wholesale. So I think our current capacity limitation is about $1.5 a year. Um, and we've got to you grow. Have, in like, how much are
0: you actually producing or selling? So
3: I think to. last year we ticked over about three seventy five. Um yeah. So and that's only so it's, really- its
0: pretty small. Like from a quality point of view, you, you're still pretty hard to get everything perfect at that size, isn't it? You don't, you yeah, don't have yeah, millions of dollars to be spending on labs
3: and no. And like this is the thing, as we as we found with the pineapple. Um, you know, it was a small mistake. Uh, well, not really a mistake. It was just a. It was a process that we used on other beers that hadn't had that outcome. Mm-hmm. And then I think pineapple in itself was just a really mm-hmm. risky choice. We've now found as a fruit It's not the way to go. Um. But, yeah, it's that trial and error. It's craft beer in terms yes. of, you know, we just sort of well, let's hope it works. Um, we've gotten a lot better from it and our systems are in place. But, yeah, we're still still relatively small in the scheme of things. Um, yeah.
1: And you said you come out of that better. How so?
3: And why do you think that you came out of it better? I think because we we're honest about it. Um, <laughs> we knew pretty much uh, it sort of happened in a, a weird time frame where it, you know, the cans uh, got to sort of me on a Thursday because I'm based about four hours from the brewery, so I'm, I'm in Melbourne. Um, and about two or three days later, I was doing uh, a beer festival and I had cans on me and I sort of went, okay, this You're isn't right. Fam. Yeah, these are get, these getting a bit tight. Um, so it, we straight away sort of all got the phone with each other and um, everyone checked and said, okay, like we've got to recall these. This was on, a I think, a Sunday morning maybe. Um, so we sort of knew we can't really start that process till Monday. Um, But from about 6am on Monday, the call was made. We went straight to market. We contacted all the health. We did all the things you're supposed to do. But um, what we found was just going to retailers and basically saying, listen, this is what's happened. The amount of retailers that came back to us and said, thank you for admitting it. Yeah. Um, you know, so many times they don't admit it. And we have this sweep under the rug sort of thing and we'll just take it away. And oh, you can't you know, do that. It, it could have been Oh, people
0: have done that. Yeah, and it could
3: have been a really oh, I know people thing, have done it, but you can't yeah. you just mm. can't
0: do that. No.
3: Nah. That happened
1: to this that very same thing happened to Dan. Yes. It and did. then and then yes. and then Dan rings me up on, on, on a mm. you know a, a lazy Wednesday afternoon or something like that. And he sort of says, Fuck, we've got cans that are exploding. And I'd done some work with with um, Dan, Eddie, and Govs to do their recall plan, and and I said, "Why are you calling me for, mate? You got a recall plan. Yeah. So we've done a mock, we've <laughs> done a right. mock recall, mate. Just back and go follow it, dude." And, he, and they did. And I said, "Look, I'm here to help you, but you've got the plan. You know, yeah. go follow the plan." And I think the outcome was good for you as well, Dan, because you, you 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 were honest and transparent, or Black Ops was honest and transparent, and um and and I think consumers see value in that. You know, in that yeah. you know, you, you own you own your shit, and you you, you sort of say, mm. "Look, we we messed up, we make good on it," and um, uh, and and sounds like that's what you you know, bright's done as well, Ev. You know, is that, yeah, you, know, from- you just you've just got to own it. I, I just I I cannot understand for the life of me why a brewery would want to sweep something like that under the under the under well, the rug. Around
0: the time that our one popped up, there was definitely a few other cans in that pack that the same thing was happening to, and felt like it was kept pretty quiet so i don't know yeah, if right. it's kind of a point where people are like it's only a couple of people let's just ignore it or it'll, it'll go away mm. but it it is just scary especially for like the, yeah. a small business at that size like it's just scary because any one of these things could just bury the business yeah yeah so it's hard
1: well it's like but at the end of the day you can't you just i just i can't understand how someone can you know, if you talk about things that keep people up at night, mm. how you can how you can sleep well at night, knowing that you've got a beer that's literally a, a, oh, yeah. a, a threat to public health mm. and safety, yeah. and and try to sweep it under the rug and make it go away. That's just yeah. And I think the, the on scariest on the highest,
3: thing, uh, you know, it's highest Agreed. level.
1: It's- Agreed.
3: The the scariest thing is, I guess, from our perspective, is when it happened. You don't want that um that notion because. Dan, I'm not too sure, sort of what it was like for you um, with the recall notices, but they're pretty, um, they're pretty, they're pretty generic in terms of ones that the government hands to you and says, you know, this is what it's going to look like. Put the image there. It almost looks like, don't drink this; it's poison. Um, yeah. yeah, which was our biggest fear is we have to display these for two weeks at every place that had them. So any consumer that purchased them, and then you're sort of like, okay, does this now represent our brand sort of being perceived as, oh, they're trying to sell me something that's poisonous? Um, thankfully it wasn't Um, we're probably really lucky it wasn't our pale ale or our lager that had this issue but it was a bloody pineapple milkshake ale because the second it went out and the queensland uh sort of health department posted it on their facebook for whatever reason Mm. um you know there's three thousand shares channel 7 are picking it up everyone's like oh re-fermented beer this is awesome they just want to take you know and we sort of got to ride that wave a little bit more i think if it was a a everyday beer we might have had a worse connotation so we we kind of lucked out in that department to some degree
0: yeah our our screenshot even even a year or two down the track was still being shown in these kind of queensland health sponsored ads for recalls and i was like this is this was a (laughs) tiny little batch of beer in the beer cartel calendar from two years ago like just (laughs) stop but no i think i think it's people don't trust companies that's mm. the bottom line, and if, if if a company does the right thing, it's always well received. So you know, if, if I think the right, the only thing to do in that situation is do the right thing.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's what candle. keeps
0: you up at night, Hendo? Counting your ABA trophies in the back there. We're looking forward <laughs> to the next one. Yeah,
1: it doesn't. It doesn't take long. Hey, there's one. That's it. That's all I've got. Oh, there's others, but I don't have. It in, they're not in my possession. Because they belong to other breweries and
0: that sort of thing. Well, uh, you were heavily involved in a couple of hours, so you can. Yeah,
1: look, you know, but they're they're yours, you know. Um, I, I'm 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 just grateful to be, um, you know, part part of the effort, you know. Um, and so what keeps me up at night? Well, at the moment, um, it is uh, renovations. I've I've recently bought an apartment, and. Um, and, um, and I've decided, stupidly decided that I'm going to renovate it myself. And, <laughs> and um, if you had told me at the start of the year, hey, Hendo, you're going to be renovating the apartment this year. I would have laughed at you at the start of the year. But anyway, here I am, got this apartment and um, renovating it. And I'm learning heaps. YouTube, it's amazing. And I've, I've the, the buddy electrician ran a new circuit because I always wanted a double oven in my kitchen. So I'm redoing the kitchen. It's amazing. And so he had to run this circuit, but he had to put punch holes in these big square holes in the ceiling. And I've actually patched these up and you can't tell where the holes are. So it's phenomenal. Nice. Did you learn anything um, but- about asbestos
0: before you patched those holes up? Or- <laughs> oh, there's
1: no asbestos. I had the building inspection done. So I know that there's no asbestos and that sort of thing. Um, but the thing that keeps me up at night is that the clock is ticking until the new kitchen goes in. And I've got a lot of work to do before that happens. So my weekends at the moment are not really weekends. I'm just in plastering and painting and fucking sanding oh so much fucking sanding (laughs) amazing Um, but the outcome is going to be pretty good i'm not in a hurry you know um i'm enjoying the experience you know it's um it's pretty good um if my old man was around he would have loved this actually no he would have done a really good job at gutting the place and as we did but he would have done a shit job at putting it back together but he would have fun so. That's the problem I have <laughs> with
0: Renault's too. You're like a yeah. you're like a reasonably patient person. I think that helps with, with renovating. You can't be well, patient I like uh, me. Uh, there's no, I mean, the, the time constraint
1: um that I have is you know, where I'm living here is the least, you know, being up in, in you know six months' time and that sort of thing. So I don't really care, you know. And and so as long as I, as long as it's done by then, that's fine. But I'm shit at picking, you know, we want to know what keeps you up at night, picking colours, man. I've got no idea of <laughs> that shit. You know, I just, I had to get this young lady around to do all the kitchen, you know, the colours and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah, stainless steel, stay steel. Don't, I don't want it everywhere because I don't want it to feel like work. And <laughs> um, and um, um, so that's actually worked out really good. But then, yeah, the other thing that's keeping me up at night, like I'm going to paint the walls and they're going to be white. Do you know how
0: many fucking colours of white there I are? I do, I do know. Yeah. You've got the cream, the bone, the white, the off-white, the ivory and the beige. It's- it's unbelievable. I got these two little bloody sample
1: pots from Bunnings, right? And I went, I'll just chuck, a, chuck them on the wall. And I looked at one was this vivid white and one was this natural white. And I thought, and I looked at them both. I went, I fucking hate both of them, you know? And so I'm like, now I went and bought some more
0: sample pots. I'm trying to find the fucking white to go on the walls. <laughs> this is stupid. I don't know about you, Ev, but I'm. this is why the podcast is called The Boss and the Brewer because I'm <laughs> I'm obviously the brewer. I've got the flannel here. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not wearing it because it's hot in here. That's his not, office not, flannel, by Not the brewing way. at the don't, moment. That is be, the office flannel. But you don't, don't be fooled in for
1: a
3: second to think no, no. You get, but you get the point. No, well, he um, told me he was the, in the podcast of the day. He was dry hopping last week. I mean, hundred um, percent dry yeah, hopping you, on do, brew day. He dry hopped Did you do the standard um, did, the standard brewery owner thing where you let the brew happen and then you just get up with the mash paddle and take the photo for Instagram? drop it, and then walk away. I don't do ben the mass paddle. Do I do the, the salt bay with the hops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no Very nice. Good to
0: go. But the, the point is, it's called the boss and the brewer because this boss man here, he doesn't have any problems. He's sitting in here with his trophies. His biggest problem is choosing a colour for his new building. I mean... I'm choosing white, mate. The white. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hard. Wow. Must be good to be you, Hendo. Must, must be <laughs> on <you're> nice. He's <laughs> got
1: that there, trophy, buddy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah making it a rain
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do we have any other questions
0: um well I, yeah well, I, I, have to, I should answer this question as well oh yeah um, shit yeah what keeps you up at night um what ke- yeah i i would say to this question for for so long i was so cruisy about everything with black ops like it, it always used to be Eddie, like when we first started out, Eddie hadn't had a business before, so he would freak out at everything. Gabs is just fucking chilled, so he, he's he's cool. Um, and I, I'd had businesses before, so I kind of understood that you know, like shit goes wrong sometimes. There's financial pressure, you get through it, it's all fine. But um, there was definitely times in the last probably probably well after we built BH two and when COVID hit, with the two times where I was just like. No, we're actually fucked, and it was always just financially Mm. fucked. It was just like, okay, we've got no money, we're fucked. And Mm. and at that point, it's it's like, you know, you don't, you're not just losing the business. You you know, seventy five people are losing their jobs. You're losing your house. You're losing everything you've ever worked for. That so that kept me up for a while, but Mm. (laughs) things. Mm. So it's it's always. but But you powered through it though. Yes. Yeah. Did exactly. you have some
1: sleepless nights when all this yes. was going down? Yeah. Yeah. What was the main thing that you were, you know, concerned about? Like, you just know, it was just like
0: just like we're like we're going to run out of money and yeah, and there's no there's no possibility of getting through it. And and that was always like when we built BH two, we basically said, okay, we're doing we're doing about the 350, 400,000 liters a year or something. We built a brewery that was capable of doing. Three million. We, we mm. like we upgraded basically ten x. Uh, we mm. didn't have any money for it. We didn't have any ability really to raise more money other than from in, like current investors. But it, like raising money from investors wasn't really a thing that I'd ever done before. Like we'd done it at the start, but it wasn't. It was it felt so experimental. It's not really something I know how to do. Crowdfunding was illegal, so we couldn't do that. We we did we we did crowdfunding. Eventually, we got the money like the month the brewery opened, and then we got a loan from the bank the day the brewery opened for almost a million dollars and at that point you know we we'd signed a lease worth hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars and we'd we'd put so much into it like it was it was all going to blow up if this didn't happen and so like yeah. those and then that was the worst of it was yet to come because we opened in february we went from a brewery doing 400,000 liters at a very small site to a brewery doing Four hundred thousand liters at a gigantic site in February, mm. the worst month of the year with winter ahead of us, mm. going from more or less break even profitability to losing almost two hundred thousand dollars in our first month at BH two, mm. with no backup. Um, that that was the that was the worst. COVID was bad, but that was the worst. That was like actually like even this is too much for me. <laughs> Someone who likes to yeah, take wrong. risks.
3: Yeah, you feel like yeah. um. After the, the last 18 months, it has put that perspective in, uh, I, I guess, uh, from what I've seen and, and what we've been through. Um, because, you know, a lot of our revenue is generated from our venue. And you know, wholesale is mm-hmm. a very new thing for the brewery. So, um, you know, at the heart of our sort of like our peak period, we have 75 employees on the books. And then, you know, we went through the bushfires, came out, sort of lost our, our key, so two of our three sort of major weekends for the year and um, we lost those, the bushfires, then rolled in the pandemic and basically, mm. you know, it's a tourist town. It has mm. 2,000 people in it at the best of times as residents. Um, it just it, it disappeared. The venue closes. Um, you know, the fear hit us as well and we've been lucky enough that, you know, our business has grown in the wholesale side of things really well and, mm, and yeah. we, we timed things luckily. You know, I, a lot of times I think we hustled hard, but we did, everything kind of fell fortunate for us in a lot of ways Um, but sort of being through that and I guess now hopefully coming at the tail end of it um, from a Victorian perspective sort of where we are now I think our fear has changed in you know we've been through what seemingly feels like the worst of scenarios do you guys feel like you sort of come past where this is like if there's ever a breaking point this should be it and we got through that. Now, uh, I just feel I feel change? like
0: it's a lot like what you say it's a lot of luck and timing like our business mm-hmm. has grown exponentially since well, since day one but it didn't yeah. it didn't like we finally got through that period I was talking about of just crazy losses and it was, and then by this by the summer we started coming good and we we're making money again and we were like man maybe 2020 is going to be our first year where we are actually profitable and you know February was a disaster because it always is. And then mm. March, I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, this is it. This is the the actual turning point for the company. And then my birthday was 20th of March, my 40th. Fuck god damn it. I just said it. I'm, I don't qualify for the entrepreneur awards anymore. Anyway, it's not it's not relevant. It's fine. It's not a big deal. It's fine. It's not a, it's not an important part of the story. <laughs> let's, let's move on. But um, and that was the month COVID hit. And it was like, oh yeah. shit, like that is just the worst luck ever. But in hindsight, it was. Or everything that's happened since then has been really, really good for us. But um, I still have the just the fear that, like, like when Stone and Wood sold, I was like, because Stone and Wood were always kind of like the, the shining light. Every time I would see them at events, or like I would see Jamie, or have to or email him, or like I had him on my on the Black Ops podcast once, and it was kind of like it, it, there's this company out there that did all of this, mm. you know, with not a lot of outside funding really. And stayed independent, stayed profitable, stayed as the leaders of the industry. So you, you sort of thought, okay, all the pain we're going through now financially to try and make this work, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So when when they sold, you know, you kind of start thinking like, you know, like four hundred thousand liters to a million was a big one, but a million to three is goddamn mm. painful. And beyond that, I mean, when when does it when does it actually? like stone and wood were doing what 15 million leaders and that that's still yeah in a position where they're selling you kind of think like when does it actually become easy like is, does it ever become easy
3: yeah yeah i was listening to the the chat with maz last week and um i liked his sort of his perspective on um the his opinion of people selling and it, it like and and you guys are in this is that growth period I remember hearing um, when Feral sold um, mm. the kind of explanation that it was, you know, it was a family business that was growing exponentially. But what people don't see is, you know, when they get all up in arms about, oh, they sold and they were independent and this and other, is the giant amount of stress and debt and everything you're carrying, like you're saying, you're carrying 75 staff, whatever it might be. It's a huge burden to take on mm. every day. And if something mm. goes wrong and, you know, when Feral sold, you know, and, and I can be, I might be wrong in this, but I remember sort of hearing that it was basically like, well, I've secured my family's financial security. I've taken this giant burden that doesn't allow, you know, me to sleep at night because mm. I'm worrying about these people. And I've given it to a business that I can trust will, although changes will be made and it's inevitable in that scenario, are probably going to be a lot safer for my workers. Like, I guess, from a financial perspective mm. that they you know, that's if something happens, this business can absorb it now. Right. And I... I'd argue with sort that. of see that. Yeah, and I think that's what gets lost on consumers a lot is when they sort of kick up their independence. Like, we're all in independent beer, we're all craft breweries, but I do think there's an emotional weight and a um, a mental weight that comes from um, being a position like yourself or the guys a water feral or pirate life, whatever it might be, about sort of saying, well, I'm carrying a lot of debt, I'm carrying a lot of people on my back. Mm-hmm. Is this living, you know, and what is my final outcome here? So, Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's tough. I think, I think also though, it is, it is like, you know, entrepreneurship, if you, if you own a business like this, it's, you you shouldn't expect it to be easy. It's always going to be very, very difficult. And and, um, there's kind of, I think there's levels of pain that you're prepared to go through. And at that point from when we were going through that, that was like getting pretty close to the top of the level of pain and risk I'm prepared to go to, but um, yeah, everyone's different. Like some people are just, roll the dice whatever and but but the average person is not like the, the, the levels of you know risk just the risk like the the shit that can go wrong if you spend too much time yeah. thinking about that you know it's there's just so many things that can go wrong as a as a director of a decent sized manufacturing business that you know has every safety concern and financial concern and yeah. everything else it's yeah it's a lot well i told you darren hill knows how to ask a good question <laughs> isn't he great <laughs> Right, number two, uh, Zhu is, is uh, my accountant, or well, one of them, because we have a few. Um, his question is, do you have a prediction, which is kind of on topic, uh, do you have a prediction for the next CUB slash Lion buyout? And I'll start this by saying that when Lion hadn't bought anything in a while before the Stone and Wood one, my prediction was that Lion were going to buy bent spoke. Mm. And I was yep. wrong. At least, I mean, as far as I know, that I was I was wrong, and that and Stone and Wood was a surprise to me. Bolter wasn't that much of a surprise. Stone and Wood was a surprise, mm. but over over to you, first Hendo. What do you reckon? Next one?
2: Um.
1: Well, you know, as I said in the last episode, I think they buy they buy market share, um, and and you know, as soon as you see that tall poppy, you know, rise up. One of the big boys is just going to go, thank you, and just snap it up and that sort of thing. Um, um, You know, uh, Ben Spoke, I don't know, Richard and his team, they're pretty, you know, uh, I I don't want to speculate about, you know, sort of, you know, what their thoughts are. As we've said before, everyone's got an exit strategy, but there are some growing multi-million litre a year breweries um, that, um, that I would say that the majors would have an eye on. Mm. Um, um, there's, you know, there's, there's, I, I just can't, you know, just no, no, just reject it. I just can't see CUB buying another Southeast Queensland brewery. You know, they've got like mm. no. three, three or four or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think CUB
0: going to buy any craft breweries anytime soon. Yeah. I think and
1: then certain- Lion. You know, line. You know, buying something in Southeast Queensland. It's just, just, it's if it's a regional thing, it just doesn't really make much sense to me. Mm. Not just Queensland, um,
0: though. What the whole of Australia? What?
1: Well, exactly. I think there's a there's a there's probably a couple of breweries in, in New South Wales, a couple of breweries in Victoria that I think would be, um, you know, candidates for for a sale. But I don't think that my prediction is I don't think that that's going to happen for quite a while because it was a big. Well, who were the breweries pretty, you're sitting on the fence, mate? Oh, look! You know, like it'd be if I was going to call out some breweries. I mean, the ones that are sort of really, um, that are that are that are growing. Um, you know, that that. And, and this is just, and I'm only say this to say that these are the breweries that are growing. Not that the um, the people behind them want to sell, and right. not that Lion right. or CUB want to buy. But you know, but 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 based on the premise that you know, if there's a brewery that is growing and it it has a, a certain level of market share that one of the majors go yes we'll have that thank you very much um you know there they'd be there'd be breweries like Bens folk would be be up there but I just don't see Richard just you know selling moon they're pretty big they're doing a few million a year now um, um uh who else uh, would be a decent candidate what about um, young
0: Henry's Oh look, young Henrys! They're
1: they they're quite a they you know they're doing quite a bit of volume and that sort of thing. Um, strong brand too. Um, very strong mm. brand. Um, great, great. Um, um, they've got a great ma- uh, branding message and, mm. and that sort of thing. You know they 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 know their um, uh, they know their, um, their their target audience and, and and speak to them very well, like Wood did, like Bolter did. Yeah. Um,
0: that's about it.
2: <laughs>
1: what about Brick Lane? Um no. 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 No, I don't I don't see that. No, not really. Um we we should get Paul on the show. Paul Balker on the show, he'd be really rad actually. But um, let's let's do it. Um, I don't
0: know much about, yes. about Brick I don't, I don't know um, from there. Well,
1: it's it's a, it. You know, they're doing probably something ten or something million liters a year now. But it's all. Oh, I don't know. Mostly, that. I don't know if they're, from the yeah. interview that I
0: listened to it. That didn't sound like it, they were kind of talking about the capacity of the brew house and.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, they'd they be totally up around that. Right. Get it is a very big brewery, and, isn't it? Govsy went yeah, it's down massive. there when we're looking at yeah. packaging. Right? I it's spent like, a lot oh, of shit, time there working big. with a few, few clients and stuff like that as well. Um yeah, it's a big, it's a big, big brewery. Mm. Um and they they're constantly hiring at the moment. Um but um um but the, got enough money um,
0: to get through a few more years. Well, they've mm. got a
1: really interesting, um, you know, um, set of owners behind them. You know, you've got Eddie McGuire, you've got a few footy players and all that sort of Dan stuff. Dan Carter and, and
0: the like, don't
1: you? That's right. Yeah, and um, so I, I don't think you know they, they look at it as an investment, obviously. Um, but um, no, nah, I just I don't really see that selling. I, I just I don't I just don't I think it's to be fair. I think it's pretty slim pickings out there at mm. the moment. If I was a major looking to buy. Uh, a brand. You think about the, you know, what was the length of time between Stone and Wood selling and the brewery before it, which would have been who would well, have been? Was, was not that far Duh. before.
0: You mean for Lion or just generally? Lion or C U B Well, Bolter It wouldn't be long, before two years. Bolter, but but Green Beacon were, were quite a bit mm. before, I think. So but your prediction uh, is no no. Well, what's what's your prediction? No sales I, in the next what two years? Two years.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. If- yeah. Um, I don't think it's a question of uh, who's... I, as, and I said, there's always an exit strategy. Um, Who's a sell? It may, it's who makes the most sense. So I think looking at the two major players now, once you sort of... Asahi, CUB are now one. So you've basically... You've created a, a two different monsters. I think Lion are really happy. I think the Lion purchase of Stone and Wood... Is smart not just from buying such an iconic strong brand, but they bought a portfolio of brands as well. Yeah. Um, if you would ask me 12 months ago, value for money for Lion, and I, I felt like Lion would be the most prime, I would actually say Two Birds was perfect in terms of brand message, ability to get to market, um, probably sort of like capital ownership as well, or what the cost investment would be, sort of in return. I always felt like Stone and Wood is a really strong you know, Little Creatures-esque story they could have worked on. And I think what they've done is they've, they've been able to get really lucky with the Fermentum group. Um, you know, maybe it's just because I'm Victorian-based, so I'm thinking about who I see from a, a volume perspective and a, mm-hmm. and a sensical one. And this is in no way, shape or form um, saying they want to, as Endo said. I'm, I'll put that out there. But if I'm a CUB executive and I'm looking out and I'm saying, okay, line of purchase something, it's probably our turn. We're sort of going one for one to some degree. To me, Moondog makes the most sense in terms of distribution, strength of brand. I think Fizz is a massive part of that too. I think, oh, yeah. um, you know, when you're, again, like I think the Fermentum sale will probably change the perspective there because you've gone from buying breweries to buying, you know, collections of breweries. Mm-hmm. So C probably go, okay, well, instead of just buying one, if we can buy a few and i and moondog in a sense has has both it has fizzar which is you know arguably the strongest brand in Celta for victoria i don't know it's it's sort of national strength but you know they've been pretty innovative in terms of realizing some of the pitfalls i guess of the the keg system by coming up with this post mix system and, oh, and they're obviously oh, yeah. working and i think it's very moondog-esque they sort of know to how to execute
0: those guys don't they
3: yeah, and it's, it's a really well oiled machine. And, you know, the, the thing I guess that uh, you, the reason these guys get bought up so often is I feel like the CB executives that have no sort of real ability to go, how do we create this, a real authentic crappy brand? So mm-hmm. they go out searching for one and they obviously go for the, the strongest ones because you want to make the most sense. get moondog you get two venues you get a big venue in moondog world you've got a strong brand with strong iconography the really like long-term it's their 10 year anniversary today so they've had 10 years of market to build it Mm. um and they've got the fizzer brand which is you know it's an emerging market it's something that i'm sure both cb and lion are trying to figure out how they can get their biggest piece of lion i'm pretty sure has white claw on the portfolio which would be you know the largest in the world yeah um so for me, I, I would if I'm a CB executive and I'm I'm saying I want one, that's what I'm looking at. There's definitely other ones on the board, but I think from a Victorian mm. perspective, I feel like you know value for money, bang for buck. You know it's not going to be cheap to buy, but you get so much out of that. You don't just get a brand with distribution; you sort of get a whole package, which I think it will change now that the fermentum sales happened as well. I think they'll look at it a little bit differently than they used to. Yeah, nice. I, I
1: love I I love the Moon brand. Me too, man. It's like. Everything about Moondog, my every single interaction that I've had with the Moondog brand, I have pissed myself laughing. <laughs> right? And, you know, uh, it's just like it just, they're just so fun and irreverent. Mm. And my favorite good be favorite, favorite be week event ever is the professional wrestling the that wrestling? they do. Yeah. <laughs> and I just laughed so much, man. Milk came out my nose, and I wasn't even drinking any fucking milk. I was drinking fizzler. <laughs> And um, what were you
2: putting
1: it was up just your nose head, fizzer, <laughs> fizzer <laughs> and, and, and I it. like, and I like, and I like. It's a, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a term you
0: know. <laughs> anyway, I'm just fucking. I like, <laughs> I like, what I like fizzer. Fizzer is great. It's just, I, I, you know, there's, I, you I, know, there's saw... a the, the, what, there's a company in Queensland called Fizz, which is selling a shitload of seltzer. Yeah, really. So it's, mm. at, some point, um, mm. at some point, they're going to clash. This is so, so good it.
1: because they've 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 managed to 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 somehow pick all of the flavors that remind me of my childhood.
0: Nice, <laughs> and
1: you know, like fruit cup cordial and and you know, pink flamingos and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's a merida thing, but you know, it's just so, it's just so well so well done. And you know, going to the the wrestling is a hell of a lot of fun, right? It's just. Mm just laugh my laugh my ass off you know and I look forward to it every year um great bunch of people you know um, um and um I, I haven't had a decent haven't had the chance to have a good session up at Moondog World the last time I was at Moondog World was place. when the wrestling was on mm, when, when the place was under construction um, looks a lot but, different now yeah well you know, if they filled the bloody lagoon with Fizzer, I'd be <laughs> swimming in it and
0: fucking drinking it. I'll tell you what. And I'd probably get away with it too. Yeah, probably. I was, I, um, t- today, w- one of the things we were potentially going to have on our agenda was talking about brewery valuations. And I've been meaning, been meaning to write this article for a very long time because it's something that I think people who own breweries should get their head around. Um, and I, I wrote it today, I haven't put it on the blog yet because it's going to be, there's a bit of a process to go through, but it's almost 4,000 words just because it's uh-huh. just such a complicated topic. But the, the um, and I, I agree with you with Moondog, I've always had very good experiences with them. One of the very first beers that Eddie got me when I was getting into craft beer was that, that I, that really blew my mind about beer was that Henry Ford's gersum mm. fjord, fjord one. And I was fjord, like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this? It's so good. And then when we went to Melbourne, um must have been in, God, I don't even know when it was, well before we started doing it. It kind of inspired us to do it. So it would have been in 2013, 2012, I don't know. Anyway, before Black Ops, we went to Moondog and somehow I got the details of um, one of the early investors in Moondog and we knew nothing about, like we had no idea about how to value a brewery. Like I, I had absolutely no idea. We'd never raised money before. We wanted to build a brewery. Like, like we had no idea um and this investor his name's mark um was extremely generous and he was like you know if if you're ever in melbourne you know i'll tell you how i came to be an investor in moondog show you through the brewery and we went there we met with him we met with um one of the founders um and this this is yeah this is a long time ago they showed us the brewery and back then they were making beer on that system that was basically like dairy vats yeah, miracle um, pets, yeah. yeah, and that that kind of inspired us to do the, the very first Black Ops it's kind of educated me on brewery valuations which is still something that people kind of know nothing about um, Lukey from Corumban was with me on that trip and you know that was something that inspired them to kind of build their brewery out of dairy vats um, which they ended up doing and winning gabs a few years later <laughs> um, so yeah they're they're moon dog. Double thumbs up. Ah man, that that dairy equipment,
1: there I just there was an amazing photo that that I think they they showed at a um might have been at BrewCon or something like that when they talk about their startup. And there was like a, a photo of um Josh and Jake and, and Carl, I think, and they they got in their mash tun and they were nude in the mash tun bathing in it. Amazing. And they posted it on like the socials and that sort of thing, and people were commenting, are you going to make a beer from that water? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So, so good, you know. Yeah. Uh, then when the lockdown happened, you know, the, when COVID first hit last year, we are all in lockdown. Mate, I survived on the Carl and Macca show, you know, when they're doing their mm. own oh, streams yes. on And then Twitch. didn't he yeah. end
0: up hosting the... um. Was the Abers or, or yeah, it was the Indies? The, it was the uh, Indies, the indies yeah. And it was, it was
1: just that man. That was just hilarious, you know. That's that's why I love the Moondog brand because just it's just they've just given given me so
0: many good, funny, yeah, just laughable experiences. And you know, I fucking love them. Love them. Awesome. All right. Well, okay. To answer, I'll answer the question as well. But your answers were bloody fantastic. I don't think I can do any better than those. Um. I'm with you, Hendo. I don't. I don't think. I don't think anyone's getting bought anytime soon. Mm. Um, I don't. I think C B have said they're not going to buy anyone else. And why would they? They've got all the best ones already. And then Lion have just got such a strong lineup. They've. I think the Lion sale is going to be really interesting because that'll be the real test. It, you know, it's like Bolter weren't never pitched themselves as an independent beer brand. They never tied themselves to that. They were always going to just get bought, and then you know do well afterwards stone and wood's going to be a really interesting one you know if if, if someone can build an independent you know staunchly independent beer brand like that and then sell to one of the majors and the majors can make that into a massive brand for themselves that's going to be a really big acid test but that's going to take years before we know that yeah um so yeah I'm, i'm with you i don't think anyone i don't think anyone interesting is getting bought anytime soon no. But I do like the moon dog thing, but I'll, I hope those guys just stay doing their thing and get some investors and keep, keep it going.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, think they totally. probably will. Yeah. I think that's just, yeah, you're right. There's nothing, there's nothing on the horizon, um, but it's, yeah, I guess you just, if you're a CUB executive or a line executive, you got to look at um, what, what juices were the squeeze um, and who's the best. And, to be honest with you, I, I think that's probably the gap in Victoria, but you know, there'll be someone else that'll pop up. And if if yeah. someone takes Donald Woods place, it will be really interesting in the market. Yeah. You know, who emerges, I guess, as that next industry leader in a lot of ways. Um, because I think that slate's pretty open at the moment,
0: yeah. Oh. Yeah, especially at that scale, like that. You know, they would mm. just, they just, I mean, I don't know what it's been a long time since I've been to a pub in Melbourne and drunk beer, but like in anywhere near where I live, I would have just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. When this shit's over, I mean, Dan, we here, should go to stone, Melbourne stone, and stone go to a pub everywhere. and drink beer. Oh, we totally should. And we should we should go to um, Moondog World as well. Yeah. Well, I owe the, the, uh, the guys some stomping ground. Last time I went to Melbourne, I got Guy and Steve in a room with my podcasting equipment to record a <laughs> podcast with them, mm-hmm. and it didn't fucking work. Fuck. Yeah, it was That's shit. why you're paranoid about it, aren't you? Oh, 100%. Every time we end one of these episodes, I'm like, oh my God, if this recording doesn't work. (laughs) But yeah, that, that is why. And those guys were so good about it. So if we are in Melbourne, again, we can do an in-person show with them. I'd love to hear how that, how they're going. I'm keen. Right. One more question before we go, we've got to do three fan questions. Otherwise the segment is incomplete. Um, And this is relevant. How important is from Luke Cooper, how important are social and environmental impacts on running a brewery? Cool. Okay. Ah, uh, how important are they? Um, I
1: think they're coming, becoming increasingly important. I think the next ten years are going to be quite, uh, quite, quite critical uh, with regards to breweries and sustainability uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, breweries, at brewery, brewing beer is a very uh, energy and resource intensive uh, proposition. Uh, not only the actual process of making beer all of the heating and cooling and water and energy usage and all that sort of stuff, but the fact that the food miles that go into it, it from the inputs and the food miles and the outputs you know like getting malt from Germany by the ton um, yep. you know and then you know some some breweries export their beer halfway around the world um, and you um, I think that, that as those sustainability things and as, as government regulation changes as well, I think it's going to change, um, change the business. Um, I think we're in for a bit of a lumpy next 10 years. Mm. That's, my, that's my rough call. It's not a, not a prediction per se, but I think it's just a, a rough call that, that, that we've had some pretty good growth over the last 10 years. I think the next 10 is going to be a little bit lumpy, but still upward trajectory sort of thing um yeah that's my thoughts on it
0: i think that's that's a good one and and um something i was thinking of maybe bringing up before when we're talking about pack tax because i know when we've talked about it it's always been like you know i know the trend is let's stay away from plastic but there's a lot of shit when you're making beer that is not good for the environment and that you know the Mm. the the plastic thing on the top of the four pack is one out of many things oh yeah
3: oh yeah it's massive it's definitely going to be, um, it's definitely going to be a big part, I think, of how we all operate going forward. And, and Hendo's right, and sort of saying the next decade is going to be a major shift. And I agree, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster ride in terms of wants and capabilities. I think as well. Um, I think as an industry, we probably have a lot of people um, that want to do more in sustainability and are proactive, I guess, in the space, but then are hindered by you know, government regulations, cost effectiveness of things. Um, it's from, I guess, of being in a, a growing production and manufacturing um, industry where it's getting more competitive that, that I think there's going to be a time frame where breweries will get to a point they've got to make the decision about sustainability or profit, uh, which is a really dangerous thing going forward. For us as a brewery, we put sustainability first um, and at our size, we're capable of doing it and we're constantly looking at it, but there's definitely parameters that stop us from being able to do more. So, you know, PacTech's being one thing, but you're right. There's so many different components involved with it. Um, it's kind of funny because today I was actually um, on a, at a I was watching a webinar from one of the major retailers who noted that they, um, they'd done an industry-wide consumer, um, like a craft beer consumer survey and that they anecdotally, they found that was no, consumer preference for breweries that had a sustainable mindset currently versus fresh produce as well. So they basically said in comparison to other products we sell like fresh produce, where it's a major component, beer doesn't seem to have any direct correlation. So whilst consumers, I think there's a, there's definitely a fraction or a percentage that want to, it'll come down to consumer demand as well. If mm. I think consumer demand will grow as the whole conversation around sustainability and climate change and everything continues to grow. It's definitely generational change as well. Um, but I guess I hope that eventually we have the capabilities to do more, but I don't think we're going to be able to do it straight away. I think it's going to be a long-term plan of bit by bit, getting better starting and and, and not having to, I guess, sacrifice, you know, unfortunately profitability, because there's definitely businesses out there that, you know, are already running thin margins. And if it's a choice mm-hmm. of making money this month or saving the planet, they, they they're most likely not going to be able to save the planet. So... Mm.
0: Mate, you, you guys have the best answers for shit. Ev's got to come on every week. He's, he's a fucking pro, though Good, yeah, good guest recommendation, mate. Yeah, thanks, Endo. That.
2: That. That's two in a
0: row now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm less I think, controversial than Maz. Definitely, yeah, definitely less controversial. Yeah, yeah no, I think I think your answers. Yeah, I, I think that. Okay, profitability versus sustainability. Fine, sustainability has has to come first. But if you run a business, the number one focus always has to be not going out of business. In my opinion, Mm. there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of things on the line when you run a business and you know, you've got people's jobs, you've got your own livelihood, you've got suppliers, you've got, you're part of an ecosystem. You're to me, your number one job is to not go out of business. And I'm sure someone way smarter than me said that in a quote somewhere. Um, If you're printing lots of money and profits then it makes perfect sense to redirect those profits into something that's going to help the environment. Um, but I, yeah, I do kind of struggle a little bit with the idea that like every brewery has to be, this is our biggest focus. You know, we have to have this as this environmental thing as, as the biggest thing when the reality is, you, you know, you, you're running a business that's not making any money. You, you're constantly, you mm. can't fucking sleep at night. You know, you're not, you can barely make payroll. So I, I think there's got to be like, there's got to be an opportunity for both. There's got to be somehow an opportunity for both. And that's something we struggle with. Like I know when we started our kind of like program where we donate to charitable causes like every month and we we did it as a dedicated thing every month. It was about two years ago, but we were losing money at the time. So it was kind of like, okay, we can can donate money to charity or we can, you know, increase our risk of going out of business or we can do nothing and we chose to do that at a small scale um, and as we grow, you know, you would hope if, if, if there is more profits, you can do a lot more mm. but you, you can't put too much pressure on companies to have that as their main focus because I think they, you know, companies have to operate in the environment, in the regulatory environment that they operate in mm. and their job, everyone plays a role in all of this, the business owner's job is to keep the business running. Yeah, and um, within the regulation. So I think I think it is going to be a big thing for sure. Um, but I, I also think you know running a company and, and keeping it afloat is a very big consideration as well. And I, there's probably frustration from people who work for breweries, people who consume the beer that they're not doing enough. But there's also the realities of running a company that are difficult to deal with. Oh, absolutely. Um, well. I think that's I think that's us. That was good. Hey, and we now, did good. I'm just nervous about the fucking recording not working, but other than that, I don't think we're good <laughs> to go.
1: Yeah, right. Just process, process, process. Hey, uh, Ev, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Um, it was um, very insightful, and, and um, I think you're doing some um, some great work there. Um, you know, with Pactex, and I, and, and um, be great to sort of catch up. Um, yeah you know, in, in in a few months just to see how things are progressing there and um, and and keep doing the good
3: thing, mate. It's really good. No, thank you for for having me on and I guess, you know, give me a bit more of a platform to talk about it because I do like to talk about it, to be honest with you. I think it's a it's a big thing and, you know, as we just talked about sustainability, it's these small things that will make up big changes, you know, the more of these sort of initiatives we can come together and, and work on will we'll make a big change in the industry. So, yeah, I'll definitely... Uh, you know i'll keep you abreast with everything that's going on and hopefully in a few months i'll have some good news around a national rollout and yeah just um fingers crossed we can get up and running awesome. yeah
0: I'm, I'm keen to hear more and thanks for saying that hendo because i was thinking that the whole time he was speaking of it we should we should say thanks for this work he's doing and sure. we didn't get to it till the end but yeah thanks for what you're doing i think it's great and and you're an awesome guest and you're welcome back anytime so cheers
3: thank you fellas